Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast, your home on the Star Wars Underworld Podcast Network for in-depth discussion on the lore, the High Republic, and the whole canon of the galaxy far, far away. My name is Matthew, and I am coming to you live from the Underworld North Studio here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. As always, I'm joined across the continent, not in Canada, as we discovered, <laughs> by your friend of mine, Mr. Joel Davis. Well, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. If you're wondering why every time you see me on the screen it's getting darker, it's because we had daylight savings time. So yes. it's dark. Yeah, it's, we had it's, it too. It's, it's five thirty, and the night the sky is all dark. Night sky, pitch black. Yeah. I yeah, hate it was, it. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. It's Arizona, ridiculous. Saskatchewan, the only places in this on this continent that have it right. Uh, storytelling, fantasy, world building, continuity. Twitter discourse, uh, the House of Mouse, more Twitter discourse, all that stuff. What does it mean to claim that Star Wars is a is franchise fiction? We step back with another what is Star Wars discussion. Uh, sure to go in deep. Uh, before we do that, though, let's get the plugs out of the way. Uh, that's that up there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads <coughs> at Ion Cannon Pod. Don't follow us on Threads. We don't use Threads. The only time I use threads is when I see something fun to respond to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can follow us on threads if you want, but, you know, there's nothing there. Um, Twitter, especially Twitter, I'm going to get back into that. Instagram, at IonCannonPod, E-Y-E-O-N-C-A-N-O-N-P-O-D. Here on the Underworld YouTube channel, we got Super Chats. We got memberships. We got all that fun stuff. Uh, of course, you know, in the in the comment boxes below, feel free to let us know what you think about anything we're talking about. If you have questions about what we are talking about, going on about, um, about, 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 see, I'm kidding, telling you, <laughs> it's, it's a fact. Um, yeah, let us know and yeah, we'll get to it. But if you give us a super chat, we'll, we'll guarantee to get to it. Um, last bit of plug here. Oh, well, I'll, I'll get to the discord in a second, but First of all, Tractor Beam, uh, Tractor Beam Comics Reviews every Thursday, 12.15 p.m. Eastern Time, 9.15 a.m. Pacific. Grab your lunch or grab your breakfast. Chris Abbott and I talking about comics. This coming up this this week is going to be, hopefully we'll fit everything in. Um, talking about four High Republic stories this, this week. Um, Not doing Vader? Or... We are doing Vader, but okay. also four High Republic stories. Okay. <laughs> uh, somehow. Vader somehow. versus Palpatine, round 355. Like that, yeah. I, I haven't read those lists yet there for that. So, I, yeah, not too worried. But, yeah, I guess that's that's coming down the pipe. Yeah, he's going to confront him again. That makes sense. Um, it's what the system but, but, yeah, so we're, we're talking about – what are we talking about? We're talking about uh, Shadow of Starlight number one that I finally read. Shadow of Starlight number two that I will have read. High Republic number one. And the uh, the Joss and Pickett story in Insider 222, I believe. So, uh, four High Republic stories. Phase three begins. Um, get to that in a little bit. But yeah, so join us uh, on, on Thursday, twelve fifteen Eastern, uh, nine fifteen a.m. Pacific, for all that fun discussion. Uh, Joel, let us know about the Discord. How's that going? Discord's going great. We had a lot of fun. Uh, last week with another one of our little get-togethers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this week, we're going to be having a game night playing some Fortnite. So that'll be fun because they brought back the original map. So mm-hmm. all fun. All fun. And I, I, there, there are Star Wars skins and stuff happening. I, I see things about events in Fortnite. There's Ahsoka. So you can play as you get an Ahsoka skin and play as her. So. Okay. I thought, cool. I, I thought I saw an ad or something for, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm imagining things. I'm getting old. I'm imagining things. Who knows? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right. So, yeah, check us out there. Also, the link 
below uh should be should be minty fresh um so yeah join us there just you know chatting introduce yourself chat you know another way to get the episode here the on youtube the youtube stream um yeah it's just you know and chat and ask us questions we're in there we're we don't bite we're, we're, we're friendly uh so you let us know yeah if you if you're if you're inclined to to join the discord server the underworld discord server there we go all right this week in Star Wars, you want to continue on from last week's discussion, it looks like. Yes. So, you know, last week we kind of did a little, what is the old Republic? Um, and I, and I, during the conversation, I realized, you know, why is it that we've done this weird thing where it's like the past technically has two Republics? Like, why is that? I never actually knew they understood, like, the behind-the-scenes reason. Well, after doing some after-show research, because I, I do that. I, sure. I probably shouldn't, but I do that anyway. Always, no, always looking. <laughs> uh, I found the behind the scenes of the Rusan Reformation, which is the thing in Legends that creates the Republic we see from the prequels. Um, thanks to our good friends at the Wikipedia, I'm going to read the behind the scenes a snippet right now. They do the forces work, Wikipedia. They really do. <laughs> The Rusan Reformation was introduced in the timeline in order to explain several differences between the Old Republic as presented in the comics and the ones which appeared in the prequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. In Legends, the Republic is established to be, it, to be in existence for about 25,000 years, based on Obi-Wan's line in New Hope that the Jedi have been the guardians of peace and justice of the Old Republic for a thousand generations. For a long time, Legend sources were the only work set during the Republic era, most notably, popular tale of the Jedi saga. However, in Attack of the Clones, Palpatine mentions that Republic has stood for a thousand years. This is, at first, seemed to conflict with C canon, wider history than G canon. Mm -hmm. C canon being comics, G canon being George. In the films, in G canon, the difference between the Old Republic and the Galactic Republic was addressed in the second season of the TV show Star Wars The Clone Wars, making a reference to a fallen Old Republic, in which the Jedi Order was also present, predating the Republic of the prequel era. Prior to that, in the expanded universe, the Rusan Reformation, in which the Republic is reorganized, following the already established defeat of the Sith a thousand years prior to the films at the Seventh Battle Rusan, was invented by subsequent writers to give, a, to give an expansion on Palpatine's line, thus bringing all these sources into relative harmony through a retcon. It also explains, in the context of the expanded universe, sealed Bibbles could claim it attacked the clones that there had not been a full-scale war since the formation of the Republic. Palpatine's statement that the Republic has stood for a thousand years might have been hyperbole. In other words, the equivalent of saying the Republic has stood forever and was not meant to be taken literally. Yeah. Given Palpatine's nature, the politician prone to making grandiose statements and generalizations, given the great weight to this argument. See, a Bibble remark could also be taken the same way. He may not have considered the earlier wars as full scale, or alternatively, could have politically revision to the official Republic history, such as there are in real life. That could have led to a majority public opinion that there had been no early wars when, in fact, there had been. So, yeah. All that nice little history and lore that all we talk about yeah. because of a retcon. It's uh, from a certain point of view. <laughs> Things would be true from a certain point of view. Yeah, it could be it could be hyperbole. It could be hyperbolic. It could be, yeah, I mean, it could be the case. I mean, definitely High Republic is trying to, well, I'll, I'll, I'll back up and say, you know, that's uh, you know why it's still, there's still a version of this sort of shadowy in canon because... And, you know that has to be the case with 
Attack of the Clones, uh, being canon. <laughs> Believe it Audrey or not. just took words literally is, I think, the issue. Yeah, there's, there's that too. But yeah, I mean, uh, it, but it, it kind of makes sense historically too, I think. Just, you know, to have these structures in place for only a thousand years. And that's still an incredibly long time by our standards but of course the galaxy is a lot bigger so i think time could be slow institutionally time could be slower too i can i can see i mean it, it just fits i don't know it makes sense that this is a thing but then of course why it is still canon is because it's based on attack of the clones and so it's based on what we get from g canon which is still just now it's still canon so and also i mean clone wars i mean i i didn't Quite, I didn't quite catch that line in Clone Wars. I should look that up. I actually um, found it and then I yeah. lost it uh, okay. today. Uh, we'll need Ben to, uh, to remind us where this is in Clone Wars. Uh, I'm sure yeah. I could find it later. Yeah. I, I want to say it's like the Citadel Arc or something. It's said by like, yeah. I don't remember who said it. Dang. Yeah. Oh, Which well. is also around the time, I guess, when these books and comics were being written. Oh, uh, no, yeah. actually. The Tale of the Jedi was the 90s. So they were operating. No, I mean, like the. The Rusan and the Thousand Year. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was Darth, the Darth Bane trilogy. That was, okay. I want to say 2006. Right, yeah, the Darth Bane trilogy, of course, yeah. Yeah. Yep, 2006. So, and then, of course, Clone Wars 2008, 2009, and around there. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's fair. That's why I found the link to when it was said that line. There we go. So right. For later, I'll, I'll for later. But yes, that's, yeah. I just find stuff like, I always find stuff like this is interesting. It's like, Okay, in the 90s, when we just had A New Hope, it's like, okay, a thousand generations, a generation is 25 years, according to Leith the Riders. So, by that math, the Republic and the Jedi have been around for 25,000 years. Yeah. And then Attack of the Clones comes, and then they're like, oh, well, uh, I guess Palpatine said a thousand years. So, we're, we're down 25, 24,000. So, okay, how do, we, how do we square this circle? And then they decide to square the circle that way, I guess. I mean, one of the things we're going to get to in the main topic is how real world things affect it. I mean, that's what partly what a franchise means, right? Is how real world, uh, yeah, like that kind of real thing that happens. You know, the franchise is a new film in the franchise that changes kind of this backstory, and we'll get to paper canon more on the paper screen relationship a bit later on. But yeah, I, I it's interesting. That is, it is interesting. It is an interesting little tidbit. And again, makes sense. Kind of why, I mean, the Disney changeover really changed a lot of storytelling choices, um, but in, in more dramatically. But yeah, I mean, that's a, well, that's an interesting to thing to think about overall. And maybe this for a, a good whole episode is the impact of the prequels on the expanded universe and the impact of the prequels on, yeah, on the, you know, as retcons, as opening up new avenues. Uh, there you go. There's, there's your assignment for for in a few weeks from now is to do it. Oh, yeah, God, yes. Go. I think yeah. that's that's just yeah. that's just fact. Yeah, that that is. But like true. looking at the different ways. Yeah, I mean, there's a yeah, yeah. There's a good episode idea on the spot. You guys are seeing this on the spot, seeing it happen as it happens. A, I wonder if I should get a guest for that one. We'll yeah. think about it. But yeah, yeah. See who see who's around. Um, yeah. So that, is that your? Do you have any more anything more to say about that one there? Nope, I just wanted to kind of give that one because, like, I wish I knew that when we were doing our discussion. Like, oh, that would have been fun to talk about yeah. a little bit. But yeah, yeah, fun times. Um, speaking of, you know, going back a couple, you know, couple of centuries, uh, it's it is funny how 
you know, when they announced the High Republic, it's 150 years, and they take it literally 150 years. So 32, uh, 282, whatever, you know, and literally whatever it is, um, going back 100, 150 years. Or no, 200 years, sorry. 32, 232, 382. Uh, anyway, I, all that to say is I finally finished Phase 2. <laughs> I hope I can finish Tales of Light and Life. And then, oh, I finished Phase 2 and then finished Tales of Light and Life. And now I'm finally caught up on everything as implied by uh yeah, talking yeah. about tractor beam. I, I until when until Wednesday when all the new comics come out. But yeah, uh phase two really, really loved every just about everything. Not not everything, everything, but just about everything. Um and especially again, I can't keep saying I can't say enough about Margaret Rowe and how she just the 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 heart behind her and the conflict within her uh going from this very flowery innocent girl who takes care of kids and has this crush on this padawan to the the guide of the open hand the guide of the closed fist uh that's a bit of a spoiler but yeah this you know this 18 year old in in her her tales of light and life story this 18 year old boss lady <laughs> who who still has this heart and this ble- beating heart again it still makes me wonder what's the key to defeating the nile is it through vinegar or is it through honey i don't know and that's that's the thing with phase three uh shadows of shadow of starlight number one one of my favorite comics i've read in a while um you know it, it's going to be relevant for next week and I'll, I'll talk about why just in terms of the relationship with the jedi and it goes into the Jedi between the fall of starlight and the beginning of phase three and all these things that have implications a couple centuries down the line and really, uh, really fascinating to see again, how they've built things back. <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, they, you know, kind of your, to your point, Joel, you know, you say they're going to have to reverse the whole general retreat and it's to see they already have. And that's interesting to see that there are, still efforts to confront the Nile. It isn't completely just this abandonment of the outer rim wholesale, but the habit is built and the, 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 the idea is built. And kind of was it you were, you were talking about this or one of us were talking about, uh, maybe it was with you or somebody, or maybe it was with Chris. Um, It was probably with you about how they're preparing for the last war and preparing for the last war leads them to the Jedi leads them to fail in the, the next war. And the next war turns out to be the greatest conflict in the galactic history. It turns what? out to be one of, you know, what, but that's the thing. It's why mm-hmm. there's a whole animated series about it. Why there's yeah. two films bookending it, you know, that are pivotal for the Skywalker saga is right. because, uh, yeah, the Clone Wars are <laughs> the greatest. Thing. And so they get, caught up in that and, and it ends up being their great downfall i mean, I'll, I'll actually want to just give a shout out it's actually well, well i want to give a shout out to my buddy red leader who on the podcast when we're doing tell the jedi he was hit at his point of every time the jedi take a take a black or take a swing or in some cases actually get almost extinct every time they come back it's like they re reform it's like they're more prepared yeah. for what killed them the last time it's just that it's they don't interesting always... thinking about this now um so i when the the one semester I was in those United States, I took a course on, I mean, I was taking political science. I was taking mm-hmm. some American foreign policy, U.S. foreign policy, and how that's basically how, I mean, that's how governments 
presidents, leaders develop a, a policy framework is by responding to the last thing, you know, I mean, so, you know, the Marshall plan developed based on two things are based, based on, you know, the need, to, well, based on the, the fusion of capitalism and democracy, right. And how you had the, the Nazis and you had the Soviets and you had to give up both. And that's what you knew in the moment. And so that's just an example. Um, you know, I mean, kind of talk about, you could say, you know, the Obama doctrine, trying to have a bit more coalition, a bit more, you know, uh, global consensus, but still trying to preserve American, uh, supremacy, and exceptionalism in the world, you know, that, yeah, not that, making that, any that, moral choice uh, observations. By the way, we're just saying the facts. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just saying. Point. You know, I mean, we could say Obama didn't go. I would say Obama never went far enough. But <laughs> in terms of trying to actually re reconstitute the global consensus, but to say, I mean, there's reasons for that. The point being, my point being, kind of the, kind of more objective political science point. Leaders can only prepare for the last war effectively and that's why one of the reasons why history keeps getting into quagmires and getting into problems is because all we know is what came before and so this is what the best practices are this is what looks good to the voters what the voters expect and you know i don't think not that jedi have voters but as we we see you know during the thing with order 66 they had popular opinion they lost it and so uh it, it's amazing to see, yeah, that they that the, the luminous authors have brought this up and saying this was the last war, uh, the last great threat maybe that they faced, um, and so that how it conditioned. This is the, this is what I'm getting at. It conditioned the response to retreat. It conditioned the response even in Shadow of the Starlight uh, number one. We see a moment that's very reminiscent of John Jackson Miller's novel coming out, Living Force. Uh, there's a moment where this, where uh, I'll spell one moment here. Um, the Jedi Council is saying, "Let the Republic deal with the Nile. Our concern is the Force." As if you can make this distinction between what's happening on the ground and what's happening in the Force cosmically, and that's that's a problem. And where does that come from? What if that comes from, to some extent, the threat of the nameless and the threat of. Uh, you know, no longer being able to be guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy, they go back and they uh, start to say, okay, what can we do? I guess we can just contemplate mysteries of the forest. This is overwhelming. Yeah, it'll be uh, all that to say. I mean, I, I know we're in store for some surprises. I hope we are. I'm sure we mm -hmm. are. But also, you know, I mean, that's another thing about High Republic is the things we've been able to predict have also been interesting. The things about the, the, the latest streaming show, which I hope we can talk about soon one day, um, and I'll get to the strike in a second, um, you know, the things we predict were also satisfying. So we'll see. Oh, so two things. Yeah. One, if the strike's not over by the time the next streaming show comes out, then something fundamentally has broken in our Hollywood system. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a whole other thing. Um, as for, you know, I also think this kind of, I think this is also just kind of the simplest. I think this is something a lot of people need to be more sympathetic towards the Jedi Force. Like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, they fought the Sith a thousand years ago, and then they all went poof, vanished, secretly yeah. ruled two. You know, the last war they prepared for was one with the Sith. 
By the time the Clone Wars, now if you want to include canon material, the last war they fought was with the, this Nile. So mm-hmm. they're not really ready for the, the Sith who have been secretly hiding for a thousand years, mm-hmm. kind of doing their thing, or maybe not even doing anything at all. Like when they strike, it's like, oh, shoot, we're not ready for the Sith. Yeah. The last people we fought were these weird pirate bikers people. We're not, he's like, but the Sith, like, oh, shoot. Yeah. shoot. It, it's not even just not ready. I think it, it's, and this is why Palpatine knows it's time is they're predisposed they're predetermined we're not predetermined predisposed to hiding behind the republic uh literally and figuratively they're predisposed to saying oh there's a war on all right well let's go you know uh the republic's the republic's at war which means we're at war um let's hide (laughs) behind this grand army by standing out in front of it and then getting shot down by it (laughs) you know um and so, yeah, it's it's unprepared, but also the pup is primed. I mean, just uh, you know, I was watching uh, Star Wars explained uh, his his theory about the Guardian Protocols, which is what comes up in um, in Shadows Number One, and talking about how uh, a lot of those things either reactivated by by the time of the Clone Wars or just had never left. And and Palpatine knew, knew exactly how, uh, Alex was saying, Palpatine knew exactly how the Jedi would react because they have these set rules in place that uh, have, you know, by the time Markians on center stage here have proven effective at keeping them safe. And so it's, yeah, definitely... Um, it, it, it we're definitely starting to see the connections even clearer. Uh, you know, they were always there between between the High Republic and the prequels. Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, I've always looked for them. I've always wanted to see them, so I saw them. But I think we're seeing them even more so now. Again, not necessarily absolutely one to one, whatnot. But yeah, uh, phase two in the books. Phase three, yeah, it, it has begun, and I, I'm excited. It's my favorite thing in Star Wars. I'm excited. <laughs> there we go. Yay. Fun Very time. curious. Um, before we dive in, eyes on screen. One last thing, you know. Um, yeah, there was supposedly gonna be something last week. Uh no one said there was. No, I know. And the, the, there's always always pundits saying this and the other. Um, you know, I was telling you about how you know the the actors wanted 10% and the studios were going to give them 8%. So they're going to compromise on 9%. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating the numbers there, but yeah, it almost seemed like it was going to happen. And then it didn't. And, you know, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm starting to think they're, they're definitely playing this tactic of let's give them some sense that this is going to be over and then pull it back to make them more exhausted and desperate. And it's just, it's so slimy. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, that's its negotiations. It's going to be all slimy and hyperbole until eventually, like, okay, we're done. <laughs> like slimy, yeah, but so. like, like emotional tactics, which you know, again, it is what it is. But yeah, well, uh, that's the thing. Like, if this doesn't, like, at what point does this require deeper changes and deeper structural rethinking about how the industry works? I mean, maybe it already does, but. I mean, I'm not an expert in these things, but I just think, like, yeah, like you said, what are we doing if we can't actually get anything in place by, you know, even by, by February or March, you know? 
Well, that was the Doom scenario, and it seems like, at least from what everyone said, that might not be happening, so at least hope not. So, yeah. it's, it's like, January is, like, the Doom scenario, so it's like, you know, sometime in November, hopefully that's still the yeah. in the ballpark, and like I said, if we're still doing this by when I think the uh, the next streaming show would be, which I still predict is sometime in August, that's just me, Um, yeah, that, then something is fundamentally broken, and something has happened that is horrible, and, like, what the heck has happened to the world? But, yeah, you know, it's August like... August seems extreme, but, you know... I mean that's the thing. You never know. I mean, that, yeah, know. like Bob Iger, he he still has a job. He still has work to do. You know, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll admit this right now. I already have tickets for the next Marvel movie. You I'm know, I'm, you know uh, I'm gonna go see those. He he has other things. People are still gonna go to uh, go to Disneyland. You know, people are still gonna do this and the other. There are other things. I mean, it it's just. Well, they'd be doing everything but making shows and movies. Or or they'll get Disney, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just I was gonna say speaking of the Disneyland thing, it's like yeah. you know, uh, everyone's all like Disney's gonna is losing their money on its movies. It's like they don't make movies money from their movies, they make it from their theme parks. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean they still I mean Infinity War and Endgame made lots of money. True, but that's not like where the bulk of Disney's money comes from. Okay, is is that true? That they make most of it from from Oh yeah, they're a real estate business before they're like a movie business, That's really. That's true. I mean, that was Walt's dream, right? <laughs> anyway. Something like yeah. that. I mean, that's that's how yeah. they survived all these years through the land and the themes of parks. So, like, what's the incentive for the studios to actually do what they can do? What they did with the writers and give the you know, give the actors what they want, what they need. I mean, what's the incentive? I hope there is some incentive. Um, you know, I mean, that's another weird thing is I was talking to, to Dom about this just about, you know, an hour ago. Um, you know, the, it, it's weird. What was the, what was the strategic thinking behind giving the writers everything they wanted and then holding out for the actors? Like to say, this is what's possible, but we're not going to do it. You know, it makes, it, it seemed like it was an odd tactic. I don't know. But again, I'm not an expert on any of this stuff. I'm just thinking it's out basically loud. just who blinks first, who gets exhausted first. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Who so. who gets tired enough and it's like we're all tired. We're all tired of this nonsense. <laughs> so, aren't we all to a certain extent? Aren't I want to talk about this the Space Wizard show, but we can't. Yeah. It well, is it is. Hopefully before Thanksgiving is all I ask for. Yeah, before American Thanksgiving. Yeah, Canadian Thanksgiving already happened. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, we were hoping before before Canadian Thanksgiving, but no, that didn't happen. So yeah, maybe yeah, when when American Thanksgiving? That's in a few weeks, right? Yeah, you said sixteenth, sixteen days. Is it sixteenth or sixteen days? It's like twenty third or something, right? I think it's the six. It's the sixteenth of November. So yeah, so it's getting close. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, enough of that nonsense. My nonsense, I mean, actors get it's a good deal. Yes. Studios yeah, do the right thing. Yes. On that note, uh, yeah, franchise fiction. Here's another Iron Cannon. What is Star Wars deep dive? How it relates to the real world? How it relates to an actor mm-hmm. strike? How it relates to George deciding to make new films? Whole bunch <laughs> of stuff. Um, you, you got lots of ideas there. I'll let you take it away. Go ahead. What merchandising, merchandising, <laughs> where the real money from the Mel Brooks, Star, Star Wars, the t shirt, Star Wars, the coloring book, Star Wars, 
Star Wars breakfast cereal. Star Wars the lunchbox. Star, Star Wars, Wars the soccer the flamethrower. <laughs> and of course, Star Wars the doll. Baby Grogu. Flamethrower. I don't know. That was one of the jokes. It was like, yeah, it's like just the extent of merchandising. The flamethrower. I mean, there was that almost real lightsaber. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the that's the beauty. That's what merchandising is all about. Just put Star Wars on anything and call it a day. Star Wars the soccer scarf. There it is. Yeah, it's, hey, it's gonna happen one day. Star Wars the hockey league. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. All right, so. Let's let's kind of get into this because Star Wars is interesting. Star Wars is is interesting. I hope so. <laughs> um, our, our one current viewer hopefully thinks it's interesting too. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> um, two viewers, two viewers. Sorry. Go so ahead. yeah, okay. So I'm I'm going to take a lot from a movie viewer I like called the Movie Bob, who um mm-hmm. got over this little thing of his in one of his in the podcast he did with his brother, where he points out a, a good thing, a, a interesting point of. Star Wars has this like weird, interesting place in boomer, Gen X, older millennial history of not starting out as essentially a glorified commercial for the franchise it was a part of for like a week and a half. Right. Talking about New Hope or the yeah. original 77 Star well, Wars. People still insist on calling Star Wars, not a New Hope, but Star Wars. And it's the first one, not the fourth one. Yeah, you know, yeah. Star Wars 77. And I, like, it was yeah. the original, you know, the film that came out for this little indie project that could and then did and exploded. Um, mm-hmm. And then kind of that's when it starts. You know, that's when Star Wars, like Star Wars kind of like didn't start out as just a glorified commercial for a day. Yeah. Um, well, not for a day, like a couple of weeks to the box office. And then it's like, okay, well, now we can merchandise and franchise this thing out. You know, like we can start making the books and the toys and the Kenner action star and Kenner action figures. You know, it's like they had toys. Star Wars had toys from day one. It's just like, you know, no one really expected them to be anything because, you know, indie projects had toys, but it's like no one really cared. And then everyone started to care. And then, then they got all those. Um, and then, and because of that, you have. Especially among that crowd of people who I mentioned, the old the boomers, the Gen Xers, and the older millennials, um, who kind of feel like that this should be more, and that there's like the conflict between Star Wars, the franchise, and like Star Wars, the like thoughtful artistic thing with a narrative. It's kind of like the dual back and forth, and how much of that actually exists in the current franchise DNA. So when they do see things that feel toyetic or like this is just a commercial for the, the wider franchise, they all get a really weird about it and yada yada compared to say Marvel or DC, where they're always trying to sell you comic books and action figures, even at their best when the movies can elevate these things to more, even the best Marvel film, like say the Black Panther, still mm. is a commercial in some expense to Black Panthers, like you know. Black Panther, the one like to the sell, comic book, you mean? Yes, yeah, it's the one yeah. to sell you Black Panther toys and comics, even though it has lines of like you know the Killmonger say like bury me in the ocean with the body of my ancestors who were brought in the ships. So, yeah. um, but I don't. But people are kind of deep down always know that these things are still, in essence, part of the wider corporate business franchise thing. 
while with mm-hmm. Star Wars, there's always kind of this weird sense of like identity crisis between thoughtful, artsy, hmm. create um, comes from a weird eccentric creator, aka Mr. George Lucas. And then, of course, a bunch of kind of action figures and everything kind of. Hmm being somewhat an adaption more of a the kind of action figures um which we'll get into later i'll, I'll try to clarify that later um mm-hmm. so i think th- that's sort of the weird thing about star wars is yeah it starts out and is the eccentric creative thing but it's also especially on the movie side kind of also, in some cases, glorified commercials to sell the toys, the action figures, the comics, the books, and everything else. So, yeah. and that's that's basically any franchise fiction, really. Which, like, it all kind of works to fit in the brand. Even the best things, like the latest Spider-Man video game, which is really good. You should go play it. It's still mm-hmm. trying to sell you more Spider-Man at the end of the day. So, yeah, that's kind of franchise fiction in a nutshell. And sort of, like... I mean, I, it's, it's like kind of still there to make money at its primary goal, hmm. even when it's really good and can't be thought provoking and artsy, essentially. Yeah. I mean, this gets back to what we're talking about with Bob Iger versus the actors, you know, uh, whose primary, the, 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 uh, the issue is that different, different people have different primary goals, right? Um, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, well, not Kathleen, Bob Iger has one primary goal. Yeah, uh, Ryan Johnson has a different primary goal, a very different primary goal. Kathleen Kennedy <laughs> has to navigate between the two of them. And, uh, you know, and she's done a stellar job in what, in some ways, is an impossible situation. Uh, you know, Bob Iger, then telling her, oh, Marvel's making two films a year. You got to make start making two films a year. Let's push out solo in, in May. And, it's not that great. And so oh, it's, it's fine. It's good, but it doesn't make that much money. So clearly the answer is just to ax whatever it is that we're doing. Um, yeah. Because Bob Iger in part of the, you know, this is the, the deeper issue in our society is that the, the, the financial uh, incentive is the thing that has the most power. And maybe what we're getting at more deeply is the, the tension between capitalism and artistry. And the thing is, it doesn't always, they don't always oppose each other, right? Good art can sell, I think. Oh, yeah. you know, I mean, that's the thing with Star Wars. That's, that's the thing when Star Wars is at its best. Um, it, you know, it's the first blockbuster. I knew it was the first blockbuster. I think Jaws you know, came out beforehand, but yeah. Yeah, I know. But well, you know, Jaws was getting there. But the first modern the first, blockbuster. The first, the first film to really take over in that way. And and mm-hmm. and and the thing is, you know, no one would say, well, I mean, people might say it, but then I guess they don't get it. <laughs> would say that that isn't a, a deep, meaningful film with a deep, meaningful story. Here, I wonder if it gets at kind of what what I've said about Star Wars at its best is it's a well, and, and versus say what I say is that the the J.J. Abrams issue to some extent. Star Wars at its best is a, a meaningful adult grown-up story packaged as a kid's story. It's. I mean, it, I don't think J.J. Abrams had a problem. I think it's a. It is a or, kid's or story. Where I where I might say for him, it's 
for him, it's a kid's story packages a kid's story, right? Because it is a kid's story. It's not yeah, and so story. I think... you know, and I'm being too harsh on JJ Abrams, but well, right? but I guess that's the thing is with Force Awakens, you know, it we can say it succeeded exactly what it meant to do by here's the word rebooting the franchise and but but giving more mojo back to the franchise it was a blockbuster that blockbusted you know um and it's not that that isn't a meaningful story it isn't a rich story it's just you know uh i guess compared to last jedi and here's the thing last jedi is the other extreme it's all meaning all rich and divided the fan base and people you know i mean i'm sure i i think it did make plenty at the box office but it caused uh, it caused a lot of animosity and might have lost disney a bunch of money too and so oh i mean i don't think that I okay think maybe but at least the bad the bad pr of you know all, all the haters coming out and saying uh you know saying it, it ru- ruined his their, their conception of luke skywalker not my luke all that stuff whereas you know george when it comes to jar jar for example he wasn't as sensitive to that stuff. He was. Oh no, I mean, he was he, very sensitive to that. But what I mean is, no, but but he didn't let that. I mean, he, he, had, he, he only took out the Darth Jar Jar thing. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think I, I'm here's here's my thought experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, Phantom Menace comes out, but Bob Iger is the one calling the shots in 1999. Does Bob Iger finish the finish the prequel trilogy? Does he? Does he water it down? Does he go to all these themes about militarism and power? And I mean, uh, that's Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones is the watered down prequel trilogy. But I don't think it is. I don't think it is. No, I, I think do. it's still a. I know you do. <laughs> I, I I think it's still a, a grown up story masquerading as a kid's story and packaged as a kid's story. See, I don't like that because I feel like you're taking away from kids and like at the end of the day, that's who star Wars is for us. Adults really should not be having okay, to say maybe, maybe, maybe let me, let me qualify then. It's if able anything, to do that's... both at the same time. And no, it's... because if anything, I think that's the problem with the prequel and why so many people hated it because they didn't realize this is a kid's story. It's a kid's fairy tale and too many people treated it like an adult story. But it has Gen deeper Xers. themes and deeper ideas that kids can't fully grasp on what on first viewing. But they can maybe intuitively, and so I'm saying it's just not all fun. I mean, that's the thing with Andor. Andor is not a kid's story. I mean, yeah, yeah. and it does great, and it's great. It does it's so well. It's 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 true Star Wars, but you know, I I I think I'm talking about accessibility. I'm talking about oh yeah, but I mean, well, here's sort of my thing. Yeah, for me, most Star Wars Mm -hmm. is a New Hope, Return of the Jedi. Force Awakens, yeah. Mandalorian. Some Star Wars wants to be a little bit more than that. Say yeah. Empire, Last Jedi, especially. Yeah. I'm going to put Andor. Um, Revenge of the Sith. Well, and then that's certainly, I mean, you know, depending yeah. on where you stand on that. Yeah. I mean, some people just say, you know, Star Wars has been good cinema three times. And those people would normally say A New Hope, Empire, and Last Jedi. At least Last Jedi always gets sort of the. Interesting. They don't say Return of the Jedi. No, they kind of feel like that's sort of the start. I know some people will say that would be where the start of Star Wars kind of becoming more that franchise fiction kind of okay. really kicks in. Um, I kind of yeah. see it. I mean, like we're doing the Death Star again. I know there were some Cute furry animals, you know. 
I know there's one. I know General Nadine had to put on a beard because his toy had a beard. Sorry, um, they're not animals. Ewoks are people. My bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure someone in Lucasfilm marketing saw the Ewoks and like, hello. I mean, that's why they made the Ewok cartoon in the '80s. Yeah. Um, and so. two Ewok spinoff movies, um, hmm. for, that were made for television. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, that is sort of the the thing I've always sort of said about so that's sort of the the. the identity crisis of star wars that goes right. back really to george himself where it's like yeah, yeah he set out to make an indie film it exploded and then he sort of himself began the process of okay this is a franchise we have the books we have yeah. comics we have toys we got video games yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> thank you um you know and yeah. even when he made the prequels i'm sure you know as you know, as much as he's had those deep scenes and whatnot, he's also like, you know what? That make a good toy. That make a good door. Someone at marketing's like, oh, or yeah. you know, those decisions are like there'll be action decisions. Like, hey, you know, let's let's really show off this thing because we're gonna make Legos of this thing, and people are gonna buy them. Yeah. Um, although there is actually his on the record, yeah, George did pivot quite a lot because of how Phantom Menace happened. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's why do you think Janko Fett's in there? You know, does you really need a Boba Fett to really like Janko Fett is the epitome but of they, they made uh, a great story out of him though. That's the thing. That's like an interesting story. Yeah, but it's story. still fan service. It's yeah. still that's the decision to make, sure. you know, a bunch of Boba Fett's. Um and also I've heard stories of like they were gonna do more Mortisy like stuff in the prequels, but then they pulled back on that because they were like Nickelorians. Um, yeah, I mean, George compromised yeah. on those films, really. That That's historically accurate. Yeah. Um, that's why Attack of the Clones is not his favorite movie. Um, I guess what I mean, though, is he compromised on some of those details, but he didn't shy away from the deeper themes and deeper ideas. And that's the thing is, like, he, I mean, things that were, were controversial. I mean, giving the Trade Federation that much power. Saying, you know, here is uh, here's Nixon, here's Bush going into Iraq. I mean, right? I think you know? that's the. I think you can't blame Bob Iger, though. I think you just have to say, well, you know what? Not everyone's got those weird quirks about George. About only George Lucas has those themes and ideas. I in just, his head. I just wonder if. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, that's the thing. Bob Iger let last Bob Jedi Iger doesn't make these movies. <laughs> he let Last Jedi happen, so I could be wrong. I just. I think, you know, there is something about George's independence that was able to hold the tension. Um, well, you know, maybe I'm not being fair. Maybe I'm being too either or here. I think what we're getting at is this tension between fun, accessible action adventure stuff that, you know, cool designs that look look great and i love them and and sell action figures and and toys and i do that too i buy those too um versus you know challenging compelling stories that you know even even for younger audiences challenge kids to grow up (laughs) you know Um, that may not sell necessarily as much and it's star wars so will but um i mean yeah it's it's the constant challenge right of i mean i think later on in the notes you have this problem of you know, the 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 auteur, you know, the film auteur, and the the um, uh, what am I getting? You know, the 
Again, the, 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 yeah, the, the difficult, not difficult, but the, uh, what am I trying to say? Yeah, challenging deeper stories versus maybe more palatable, easier story stories that are easier easier to swallow. I mean, uh, I'll be honest. I think in terms of that, the prequels are kind of all over the place for me personally in terms of like finding that balance between the two, Um, quite frankly. Because like, yeah, you got set it scenes. And then you have mm-hmm. the epic pod racer, and I want to play that pod racing video game. That's so awesome. I think what I'm saying is, I mean, maybe whether the extent to which you like the prequels is the extent to which you believe that they hold those two, ten, those two extremes together. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I you think know. that's you know, that. Maybe that's ultimately what I'm saying. Um, the extent to which you love Star Wars and, and maybe dive into it, and, and your your life is invested in it. I think is the extent to which you appreciate the way those two are held together. Right. Right. I like to I mean, me, it's... if I like to put on my, to try to try to look at things from like the, the, the non star Wars fan kind of yeah. uber critical person, I would say like the ones that fall more on the thematic, not, I call it toyetic. I call it toy star Wars, action figure star Wars. Yeah. I've the ones that, that fall like on the not that, the not that side, the not mm-hmm. that side, <laughs> um, would be to the probably the less extent, but still probably still greater. Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. Last Jedi, and Andor. Yeah. Those three to me are like the most. They don't feel like they were made with like a toy idea in mind, which is funny because I do think Last Jedi could actually have some great toys and some great designs. But like yeah, those Praetorian yeah, guards, I want that. Yeah, I want that design. <laughs> but that definitely feels the most thematic. Um, but in terms of like the scenes and stuff, at that point, I think that's just a question. And this was like a really interesting article from 1138. It's like, what is Star Wars without George Lucas? And it's like, yeah, I think that's just all Lucas. I think those themes, eccentricities, I think that's Lucas. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, with Star Wars now, it's just Star Wars is just now a setting and kind of morphs into the form of whoever writes it uh be it book author like tim zahn who does that kind of sci-fi thing or you know john Favreau, who's always a lot more action-packed so you know i I actually don't think bob Iger has very little influence on like what star wars deals with at the end of the day um me because i maybe i'm not being fair to bob either i don't know (laughs) you know i think that's you know you know if you want to critique or Mm -hmm critique or put blame or just say hey you know just well put the critique on well i'm sure maybe biker has some influence on this i don't know but mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's lucasfilm and kathleen kennedy's the president so the buck stopped with her in terms of who do they hire for right. making these things in the first place I um, mean, maybe maybe that's another thing with i don't again we don't know lord and miller what happened there maybe they were too far on one extreme you know maybe gareth edwards was too far on the, i don't know um, I've I've heard like mixed things about Edwards's actual yeah. ability to tell a good story, yeah. even though his visuals are really good. Um, yeah. As for Lord and Miller, everything I heard is Kasdan wrote one movie. Lord and Miller did not really like the script, so when mm-hmm. they so they decided, you know, we're going to kind of not go by the script as much, make a totally different kind of film, despite what the script says. Mm-hmm. Kasdan's like, hey, you're not shooting my script. Candy obviously friends with Lawrence Kasdan, because of course she is. Um, she's like, hey, mm-hmm. you're not following the script and the tone of the script. You're out of here. Get Ron Howard. He's going to follow more of the script. That's how you get Solo. So, yeah. 
I mean, that's another question is, is how well can Kasdan hold those things together? Which I mean, direction does he go to? Now, that being said, I mean, it's not not saying it's wrong to have a fun toyetic story. I'm just saying that's only part of what, I mean, at least for me, maybe this is me being an older millennial. I don't know. Um, it, I, I do want more out of my Star Wars than simply a fun action story. But I mean, that's yeah. the thing. I think so. a lot of that really does come from George. And I think once George is gone, you lose a lot yeah. of that, quite frankly. Like like the fun action story or the... Or the deeper uh, meaning stuff. Because I think yeah. only George really finds midi-chlorians and esoteric... No, but I mean, Ryan was able to do it. I, mean, I know, know, but not thing. everyone's Ryan Johnson either. Not everyone's Ryan Johnson. I mean, but that's where Dave Filoni maybe pops in, right? But that's also that's also where Charles Soule pops in. That's also where Claudia Gray comes in, you know, uh, and Kevin Scott. So they're doing it. That's what I keep you're gonna keep saying, you know, that the High Republic is bringing it all together in that way, um, having these you know these Padawans with these crushes and you know going on adventures with buckets of blood you know if but even in those stories even in daniel jose older stories are, are goofy silly you know have these silly beats but deeply meaningful human moments having you know teenagers having crushes can be deeply meaningful human stories about growing up and maturing and handling emotions in a, in a healthy way yeah tell me that story too that's fine i mean that's the thing with high republic oddly enough is the most compelling, interesting stories are with these younger characters who you'd think they'd res resort back to just fun action adventure. They have fun action adventure. This is my point, is they have fun action adventure and they grow as characters through it. And that is what, at the core of what Star Wars has always been, is with these younger characters learning the deeper meaning of life. And, and it involves fun. And fun is required. I'm not, you know, I'm not being a, a Debbie down here or whatever, you know. I mean, you know, we're we're, we're talking about this. this weirdly though, franchise, most I go to cons. Weirdly though, when people critique this stuff, yeah. it's actually nothing to do with like deep themes or meaning. Some of that is there, but yeah. most of the time, it's like the stuff that the critics really like is like when things get like new and it's like new yeah. stories not connected to the Skywalkers, and yeah. then, you know. And then I said, I said, like, when I was watching a whole video about like Mando season two reaction, and it's sort of like, you know, when you know Bobo shows up and Luke Skywalker shows up, it's like, oh, dang, this is a Star War. And it's like, well, yeah. what do you expect? This is a Star I, I'll War. I'll be honest, I, that, that's kind of how it, when, when Luke shows up at the end of season two, that's that's kind of how I felt. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, in the movie box perspective, like, well, what did you expect? What you, your order? Why are you complaining? Ron McDonald showed up when you ordered a happy meal. <laughs> that was that was his line. I love it. That um, is a great line. That is a great Who line. Said that one? Who's yeah, line is that? Uh, his name is Movie Bob. He's like, you know, you know, no, Bob. Why are you complaining that Ron McDonald showed up? You know, you ordered a happy meal. Um, Fair. Um, and you know Guilty that I mean, in terms of like what the Mandalorian really is, it is the Star Wars show. And we write yeah. like Rebels is the Star Wars show. Like when Rebels came, it's like, yeah, that's yeah. very much the Star Wars show, right? It's like, yeah, it's got new characters, but it's also like, and here's Tarkin, and then here's Vader, and then here's Obi-Wan Kenobi, and here's Darth yeah. Maul. Um, and there's Palpatine at the end. So, you know, it's like it's and got Luke running <laughs> In the background, yeah, he's like, yeah. Uh, you know, like it's got the Star Wars things there, yeah. and 
As far I as mean, I'm, I'm off. I'm a big fan of fan <clears throat> service too. I mean, like the the Space Wizard show. I mean, my favorite episode in that. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, yeah. And that is <laughs> all of our favorite episode in that, that. Is, again. That's fan service. Like that is as much fan service as Luke showing up at the end of. And you know, you could question yeah. the execution and stuff, and the artistics are sure we can, we can. Mm-hmm. But again, it's sort of like the common question of you know. You ordered the Happy Meal um, to some extent. Um, I, okay, I'll just say this, though. You know, I'm sure you can go on YouTube and be like, Happy Meal, but gourmet it up. I mean, that to me is what it does at, the, at its best. And, uh, you know, yeah, okay, Luke, in, in The Mandalorian. Yeah, he does. I mean, that. I wouldn't say gourmet. I would say, like, high-end fast food or at least high-end franchise. But so it's Shake Shack. It's on McDonald's. It's Shake Shack, guys. Yeah, okay, I love Shake Shack. Shack. I've, I've had Shake Shack four times in my life. Oh, wow. In a four four day span when I was in New York, we got a Shake Shack actually nearby. I've never been. I probably I hope to give really in in L A. I thought that was just an Eastern thing. Oh, we got one. We got in I think California. a Shake Shack in like this little local mall, and it's not okay. L A. Like Orange County, but yeah, whatever. You know, it's all L A. to me. Don't don't come, don't come for me, guys. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> fighting words. Orange County, SoCal, SoCal. Yeah, SoCal. sorry. SoCal. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Anyway, keep going. Uh, but um, ooh, hang on, they're decent. Uh, but yeah, you know. Um, but at the same time, I'm trying to just think here. Or like, we go back to the notes. And just kind of think of like, yeah, of thought. Yeah. But we're, um, all kind of, we're all over the place. But you know, um, I mean, you know, to look at kind of the shows in a weird way. You know, mm-hmm. I do think they've all kind of. They're all kind of in this different balance, weirdly enough. And at some point, mm. it's like, you know, do you just kind of accept it and kind of just go for it? It's like, like even if he was talking to, about the Book of Boba Fett show, the movie Bob, because this is where I'm going to get a lot of my, my reference from, because he kind of brought up a lot of yeah. the points of, like, Book of Boba Fett and Kenobi are kind of interesting, because it's like, okay, one, Book of Boba Fett, and this is how he describes like, Book of Boba Fett, not about much, mostly just a show to get Boba Fett to cool two things, but Boba Fett's on the rancor. It's cool. Shut, shut up, it's cool. Um, yeah. While Kenobi is a bit more, you know, I mean, I mean, hey, you know, Kenobi is not 100% artistry either. It's like, it's got two yeah. big fan service moments with Vader and Kenobi having a fight. It's thankfully not, you know, egregious, I would think, and he brought that up too. So, like, it's like, 20 30 percent kind of those big fan servicey moments of the vader kenobi duel and then like 70 percent new doing different things with the character kind of a situation so you know it's sort of yeah. like in all these shows kind of have this was before andor so he's like when he was looking at andor it's like okay here's the guy from andor from rogue one but also we're doing a bit more of a different tone so that's cool mm-hmm. um and also i guess it gets to kind of my point of a critique is fine, but at what point are we just, do we have to kind of take the show or movie on its own terms, hmm. right? I think there is some time, again, it's like, yeah, you complain about, I don't know, use the hacking reference, it's like, you know, you, they made a Happy Meal, even though you wanted gourmet, but it's like, uh, you know, uh, or, you know, it's like complaining you got the order a Happy Meal, and then saying, this isn't gourmet, even though you just ordered the Happy Meal. So, yeah. Just kind of that question of, especially with so much of this at this point, it's like, mm-hmm. 
kind of learning to take the thing on its own terms. So it's like, you know, it's like, if you don't like it, that's fine, you know. But, <clears throat> but it's sort of like, you know, just move on. Or it's like, you know what? Some people are going to like more the Book of Boba Fett type story of just, it's fun, Boba Fett doing some cool stuff. Some people really do like Andor. I mean, I myself am one of the people like, yeah, yeah I really like Andor. It's like, yeah, I like kind of, but, you know, it's sort of like, and then this gets into my big complaint about like, then why isn't everything like this? And it's like, well, this is because this is a franchise and you got to do at least something different a little bit each time to kind yeah. of, to kind of, you know, uh, get, kind of get the, you know, get the, get the, keep the thing fresh. Um, and, you know, if you like Lucas's Star Wars, you got one through six and a six season of television. There it is. You yeah. know, I think, and I think this is also just a bigger problem. And we talked a lot about this a lot with the George Lucas stuff of like, you're never going to recapture the love you had for Star Wars with Lucas because A, Lucas is gone. Oh, you know, even Ryan Johnson, you know, I'm not saying you can't do deep themes, but just like mm -hmm. Ryan Johnson's deep themes and and Tony Gilroy's deep themes and, you know, even Dave Filoni's themes. Well, Filoni's a little bit different. Uh, but uh, I'm going to use Ryan and Tony. Yeah. Uh, their their interests are deep, but they're in different places for sure. Yeah, different um, people. And then of course there's just the general whole thing of like, well, we're not we're not ten anymore. We're thirty year old. We're not gonna of course we're not gonna enjoy Star Wars as much as we have when we were kids. I mean, I'm sure you're enjoying the High Republic as much as you did when you enjoyed it as a kid. But you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. give it another thirty years, I don't know if you'll enjoy another book series as much as you did at the High Republic. So it's like you can't capture the magic more than once. I mean, uh, that I mean that's probably why. I mean, it's probably why I'm all. I want more than just uh, more than just the fun action adventure is because, yeah, I, I acknowledging people's love for that, people's fixation on that. I mean, it's got to be all this all the time, and, and that's you know that's my bigger concern is. You know what is this? Why is Luke on this rock brooding, trying to end the Jedi? When uh, all I, what I remember of him is him swinging out his laser sword and kicking tar and taking names. You know, I mean, and, and you don't disagree with that part. I oh, will yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Um, about what I'm saying there, but what I will say is, you know, you bring up uh, Episode Seven, you bring up Force Awakens, and I'll, I'm more forgiving of that one because of what it had to do in the moment. And, and Din's talked about this. Uh, you've talked about this. A lot of people have was saying, yeah, what I was saying before, it, it had to bring back that initial joy of a new hope and, you know, and, and just kickstart the franchise again and get, bring that, bring everyone back in. And it did that well by following patterns that we know, but also, you know, it did add some new things. I'll give it that. There, you know, especially yeah. Ray, Ray, Finn, and Poe are our new characters, are different characters. Also, there's always archetypes. There's always going to be familiar characters. Like in High Republic, there's always the archetypes. Oh, yeah. You know, Chris Abbott and I were talking with our phase two recap. Always the archetypes. Um, you know, I'm more willing to do that. I'm more willing to say, okay, episode seven more successful than episode nine and you know i thought rise of skywalker i thought was cool i thought it was fun i thought it had some interesting ideas interesting lore ideas but it could have gone deeper it could have 
Ren uh, Skywalker is a whole host of problems. So yeah, and that's and, that, and that to me is exemplifies the the issue of trying too hard to be a franchise and not getting at the core of what Star Wars is. You know what I mean? Well, I and, think that's also kind of another problem is yeah. no one does agree what Star Wars is. True. I mean, that there's, there's these two kind of competing visions of it based on like you're getting at, but based on our childhood nostalgia, maybe I have this weird advantage in that, you know, for me, you know, the, the, the nostalgia hit wasn't anything Star Wars. It was this, this bald guy with a, with an English accent from France, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and a series that ends at a poker table, you know, that's the nostalgia hit for me. Um, and then I came back to Star Wars later, a little later in life. So that's part of it. But yeah, yeah, I'm done. I don't know. No, no, I was gonna say, yeah, but I mean, everyone's kind of got a different thing about what Star Wars is. Yeah. Like, I, I, was, I was on the forums during we talked about Jisoka and yeah. kind of stuff like that. It's like. You know, everyone, every, every, okay, great for the show. Every, everyone kind of, every director, writer has kind of taken their own <laughs> view of what Star Wars is. You know, Abrams, yeah, he is more the action kind of dressing kind of yeah. director. You know, Ryan kind of looks at more of the deeper thematics, deconstructing it even, which is powerful yeah. stuff. Ron Howard and Kasdan, I think, took, well, Kasdan in particular probably took more what he preferred from star wars with his own you know he was there so he's like what what did i like about star wars when making it in an episode when making episode you know five and six and ron mm -hmm. howard probably just translated that on the film mm -hmm. um you know and favreau a little bit keeping it simple kind of you know he's love kind of a bit more action-packed but also you know kind of you know simple here's a story of the lone wolf and cub and yeah. then kind of dave is like this weird george clone but he's clearly also got eu fan stuff because he's very much yeah that kind he was very he, way he more than george ever was <laughs> oh yeah he, he yeah. dave is definitely an eu kid or teen mm -hmm. of the 90s for sure certain um and then you know that that's just i think i, mean, I always tell people if you're going and expecting lucas's star wars you're gonna get disappointed every time because there yeah. is only one george lucas you know even like if loney is closest to like well what would george do and even he's a little not always gonna do one hundred percent for sure. Mm -hmm. So there's that. It's not even just saying, "Oh, don't expect deep themes." I'm just mm -hmm. saying everyone's interested in the same thing, and especially yeah. in terms of just filmmaking style, you know. Yeah, not everyone believes Ooh. it's faster, more intense. Um, so I guess this raises the question. Getting back to the main topic here, then, does Star Wars as a franchise? Does it depend on and its integrity as a franchise? It's kind of cohesion, and I don't mean uniformity, but I do mean cohesion and coherence. Does it depend on it uh, pertaining to George Lucas' Star Wars? And maybe this is getting at what we were saying before about uh, what we said in previous episodes about does it have to pertain to his themes about you know the or the the, the initial impetus of young people stepping out into a larger world does it have to pertain to that does it have to be toyetic does it have to uh you know talk about economics and power and politics and whatnot does it have to and in this i might contend yes this is the one thing i'll say yes i think it does does it have to pertain to the importance 
of of choosing the common good and choosing to to you know the well-being of others and that the well choosing the well-being of others also brings your own well-being as well i that's the one thing i will say all stores has to ultimately say because it's 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 a right point <laughs> it's true and that's even what the light side of the force is about um ultimately you can say it in different ways in so many different ways andrew was going to say it in a completely different way than you know Daniel Jose Older's High Republic Adventures comic, right? Um, you know, now there might be something, I don't know. There's gonna be something, so, but you know what I'm getting yeah. at is do, do, do you see, I mean, where the question comes in is what holds the franchise together? Is what I'm getting at. Well, what would you say? Yes and no. I mean, I would never want like fascism good, Emperor Palpatine the best, be selfish. Um <laughs> Clearly, you know, those are some yeah. immoral, those are some immoral stuff. Um, yeah. But the thing about Star Wars is, mm. you know, the thing about Star Wars is, especially without George's eccentricities kind of keeping it together, <laughs> I don't know if there is anything keeping it together, quite frankly. And you know, that's, um, I don't want to, mm. I didn't put this in the notes, but this is reminding me a lot of that last 1138 article who goes on about, you know, what is Star Wars? Why? We all arguing about it, kind of a situation. I don't know if Star Wars really has as a grander franchise a central kind of thematic compared to Star Trek, which you know, what is Star Trek? Star Trek, it is about the future, it is shows an anti capitalist society, hence why you know, there's a lot of you know, better representation. Even it's like, okay, we're 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 humans, we're doing better. Star Wars, Star Wars can pick up and put down. As in the articles, put up, pick up, and put down those real world issues that is convenient. You know, if you want one author to be like, I want to really do like a deep dive into like how you know pollution can really screw up the nature. I can do that. If I just want to tell a cool action story with like some basic ideas, yeah. I can do that too. Yeah. Um, so, in a weird sense, in terms of like, I mean, again, as as this article points out, Star Wars is a mirror. It mm -hmm. is the reflection of whoever really is writing it. In terms of a central cohesive thing, um, outside of story group, kind of just making sure, hey, don't contradict this too ba too badly. Um, it is kind of hard to really see what the central point of Star Wars is really outside of George Lucas's own eccentricities. Mm -hmm. um, yeah i mean then it raises the question because well because you bring up you bring up the other star franchise right mm -hmm. and for a while there it was really getting away from what made star trek star trek it was really getting away from this thing of um people have come to a place where they understand cooperation collaboration putting your heads together to solve a problem reasonably and maturely uh and and with curiosity and wonder and exploring, I mean that that's the thing. It was getting away from that, and now it's come back to it, and that that's made it more successful. Now with Star Wars, you could say uh, it has that openness, that breadth, it has that maybe a wider appeal. Is that the more successful option, or is it simply? I mean, I mean, I guess yeah, it's a maybe that. that we're bring, maybe I'm bringing back the the old fight that doesn't need to be brought back. But you know, which franchise is going to be more successful? The one that has that does have now have a more consistent identity um, versus the one that is 
had a more consistent identity. Star well, Star Trek has now has a more consistent identity. I think Star so, Trek always have had a more consistent identity. It did, but I, I'm saying Enterprise and early Discovery started to lose that and was went away from that to some extent. It came back uh, with Discovery and now Stranger Worlds and Lower Decks. I, I will say that. Um, and Picard, <laughs> of course. Uh, the nostalgia hit, right? Um, you know, is Star Wars going to continue to be successful even as it has this broader, maybe broader appeal, a bit more of a buffet, right? Pick and choose which one you like. And is that going to have more mass appeal? Then there's this other franchise that's also under House of Mouse that's you know coming under a lot of criticism lately. Marvel for having, uh, uh, well, I guess the, the issue with Marvel is that things always trying to have too much of a coherent, consistent, singular identity, and the people are tired of that and they want it to branch out even more. Um, are they going to be are. accepting of it branching out even more? That's another question. You know, with, with this, the next show that's coming out in January, you know, that's gonna that's gonna break the identity a little bit. And then there's another well, movie. I'll I'll say this. Taylor about... Swift is hopefully going to be in. That's also going to not, I mean, break the identity. It's too harsh. This one, I'm get, maybe the question is uh, yeah, you get what my question here is um, is this broader lack of singular franchise identity? I mean, first of all, is that true? To, to what extent is that true? To what extent is there still things that will be consistent? Um, that even the story group and and Kathleen Kennedy and them are, are saying you have to actually come in line with these values even as you tell a different story with different archetypes and explore a different angle to those values um, or can you question the values? Can you, that's the Leslie Headland show. Is that going to question the values? Is And I mean, did, did Ryan Johnson do that? Did he question the values or no? I would say he didn't. I say he I wouldn't say came that. at them in a deeply profound way that we didn't expect that felt like he was questioning them. The thing that he didn't, and so he expanded it. And so that's the thing. Is, is there a center of gravity and everything is continues to expand around it? Well, that's sort of the that's an interesting question, isn't it? Is well, first I'll just say last year, yeah, I agree. I don't think Ryan John questioned the values. I think he deconstructed a lot of this tropey storytelling that yes. Star Wars has always been used to. Um, and the way like, we're used to addressing those values, right? Yeah, so I think that is, I think that's a lot of where people kind of mm -hmm. get weird about it um, and don't understand what he's trying to do here. Yeah. Um, same with Andor, it's just yeah. I think Andor very much taking those values and just showing them in a different light, in a different tonal mm -hmm. way. Uh, you know, still the fight of rebellion against the evil empire. Just we're actually going to show the empire is kind of brutal and terrible. And, yeah. and you know, it's like um, we're talking with this off screen where we're talking about Leia and a new hope. It's like, you know, Leia gets tortured by the torture droid. She's fine at, when we see her in Luke's like she's like a little short for a stormtrooper. Bix gets mm -hmm. tortured by the torture droid and she's all, you yeah. know, punched over. It's like. Uh, so just that's more of a storytelling tonal thing than it is really just a thematic thing. Um, and maybe we struggle with the difference. I think so for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, um, but, um, but yeah, you know, that, that is, that is interesting because, you know, what, what I guess, it, I mean, I guess it depends on what you want. Do you want, mm -hmm. 
a smorgasbord of Star Wars where it's like there is there is something for everyone. Mm-hmm. We're hopefully going to get films in the future that you know will kind of cater to different people in mm-hmm. certain way. You know, um, you know, not saying they can't be deep or anything. I'm just going to say, you know, the Ray film is for people who really like the sequels the Filoni film is for the mando people and then the the john the the the, the mangled is the biblical epic that was for me that was for me <laughs> and hopefully there'll be more yeah. um but also so is Filoni's show was for me yeah this was, I, mean, so, the, I mean you know i'm not yeah. saying they all can't be for you i'm just saying because the prequels are also biblical epic and that's the thing <laughs> to my mind but, but, but anyway yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a whole yeah, other. yeah yeah so you know in terms, so you know, I don't. I mean, whether or not there's a central theme running through all these films that I just mentioned or not, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I do think there's a lot of different. Uh, these films are for different audiences. You know, that's what kept Marvel. That's why Marvel has gone. You know, people said, "Oh, yeah. Miss Marvel bombed because of Kenobi." It's like, well, okay, maybe the numbers in some cases aren't like there. It's the biggest thing ever, but it did get a lot of but if you read the data the data says that uh Mar- it did hit with a group of people marvel never really hit which is yes. you know younger people in gen zers i mean i really like miss marvel too so um yeah. so you know and also i kind of think the whole marvel's and trouble thing has always been overrated but that's just that's just me yeah. um kind of kind of getting getting, getting my soapbox i mean you 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 think the whole star wars is in trouble is overrated too so i mean okay. we all we all think that <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah we I all mean, think it's overrated to be clear i'm sorry if you, if you think that the star wars franchise is like in trouble i was we were both and i was probably even more involved yeah. um because you're more of a strict guy at the time i was more involved in star trek star wars fandom in 2008 2012 and that was a dying period there that yeah. was the we're wrapping up here what well, was on but like for the most part Star Wars was very much kind of feel like yeah. it was in the final years of like, let's wrap up people. Let's we're closing down. Um, yeah. You know, people Which don't. May, I mean, that's because George was running out of steam. Oh, yeah. 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 He, he getting, he getting up there. And, and, and that's, I mean, that in a nutshell, more than, uh, is it more than anything? You know, more than anything, maybe explains the, the Disney sale, which, the, you know, that, and not, and not expl- financial crisis yeah. and some other things. Um, but, but like yeah. it, it needed a change. The franchise <coughs> needed a change. Maybe the thing the franchise needed to find a way to expand, even as a thing. But I mean, thinking about Star Trek, you know, Discovery and Strange New Worlds are very different shows. Oh yeah, you know, and yet they still have a similar. I mean, they still have very clearly identifiable commonality about teamwork and about curiosity and adventure. Uh, and lower decks in its own way as well. So, I yeah. Mean, well, I mean, you know, whether or not, I mean, I guess it kind of, I think question like this is, yeah. you know, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, look at Space with the Show and Andor, look at Mando. Mm-hmm. I kind of see, though, that sort of, I mean, if, I mean, I would love to, like, one day I would love to do a deep dive, like, is there commonality between these three shows or not? Um, yeah. I mean, if they're not, I love all three of them. So they're I'm set glad at the they same all... time, you know. Well, except for Andor, isn't it? But... Yeah. But, you know, like, I love all three of them. Yeah. They're very different. They all got different vibes. Yeah. I mean, so does Strange New Worlds and Discovery. So the vibes are different. Whether or not there's yeah. any, like, thematic commonality between them, I don't really know. 
I mean, I have, I, we, I don't want to talk about it too much. Um, yeah, we've definitely, we've definitely gone into, oh, yeah. into but, stuff, um, but, 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 but you know, but, yeah. to kind of, to kind of go onto the notes here for a second, yeah. um, again, you know, not only did Force Awakens, yeah, give the, the dot in the arms, the franchise, um, I hope it doesn't sound too blunt or crass or anything, but, um, after that, I remember seeing a lot of female women coming into the fandom and big time. Yeah. And I, and from little things I've always heard, mm-hmm. Star Wars and in terms of growing, mm-hmm. yeah, it tapped out on 40, on male boys like us uh, in terms of people coming in. Yeah. And that, and you know, Force Awakens definitely wanted to capture a lot of that Hunger Games audience at the time, mm-hmm. which was very female centric. Um, yeah. Which is another reason why I'm way more forgiving of Force Awakens, right? Um, the the I, way the way it centered Ray, but and, and that last shot I continued that centers Ray in such a beautiful way, in a deeper way. That I eh, does Rise of Skywalker to the same extent, maybe, maybe not to the same extent, but does it enough? I mean, I'm I'm not the expert in that, but yeah, definitely the way Force Awakens brought in a younger female audience. And to see to see them represented on the screen, yeah. And you know, we talk about Force Awakens. Let's just peel back the Force Awakens of it all and just say Episode Seven, directed by generic director. Yeah, I don't see any version of Force Awakens that's not somehow a somewhat back to the roots kind of vibe. Right. You know, maybe a successful one. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. I, I maybe different vibe executed. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But, you know, like, look at Star Wars Rebels Season 1. That was, like, first scene is Ezra looking up, seeing a Star Destroyer pass at the New Hope music plays. Yeah. You don't get... That was a man... It's the Star Wars show, as you said, yeah. Star Wars show. Um, But, um, to kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of uh, change course here, because we talked about this for a while. I mean, I guess Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, the point of commonality between all of these things... Mm Mm-hmm. I would. I feel like we'd have to do a deeper dive. It's hard to say. I think yeah. also. I'll just say this, and this is something I think again you brought up, which I think is a good point. Yeah. We confuse theme with tone, yeah. and I think that is something that is always very, very annoying to talk about with Andor. Like, just because Andor is darker and has you know, and she has like someone actually getting tortured by a torture droid, like mentally messed up. It doesn't mean like it's changing the themes. It's just mm-hmm. it's showing those themes a different light. It's a, I mean, Andor is such, it's just a wonderful way by showing the darkness. It's showing <laughs> the heroism of, of facing the light. I don't mean uh, Luthen's speech. I don't know. I don't think Luthen's speech is actually the heroism. He thinks he's being a hero. I don't think really he thinks he's being a hero, but I definitely. Or whatever. He thinks he's doing the heroic thing by denying heroism. Right, you know what I mean. Uh, by denying his own sense of heroic virtue, Andor is the one who does end up seeing how much the darkness and and, and continuing to move towards the light. You know, it, it it's uh it, it's the Qui Gon line from Master Apprentice, not because we win a cosmic game, but because it's the light, mm-hmm. and that means and ends have something to do with each other. I mean, that's you know where where casting the story ends up. Is he has, uh, he has Galen in his scope, and you know, is able to take the pause, and he has his orders, take the shot, and he's able to say, he's able to have uh, a moral crisis and say, what if 
uh, choosing life in this moment is the is the right choice. And, right. You know, so, so it, it's able, and, and, and Tony Gilroy is able to think those things through and carry those things through. And I trust him too in season two. Oh yeah, well you know, and also to kind of bring back the argument that doesn't need to be brought back, but I like to bring it anyway. Sure. I do wonder though if this is also something about Star Wars's appeal that maybe even Star Trek doesn't have because with Trek, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, yes, Strange New Worlds and Picard and and Discovery are tif- totally different and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, and I can't speak for these two completely, so, you know, forgive me. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, they're all kind of similar to that. You know, it's about a crew, they're on space, and they're exploring, and then they're yeah. learning lessons. Um, You know, so, you know, they got all that similarity. Same with, like, you know... Now, Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine was like that's what made Deep Space Nine so sort of the interesting one yeah. about out. But look at you know Mandalorian about a Mando and his kid going around the galaxy. Andor is a spy thriller. Mm-hmm. Kenobi is about a Jedi. And you know, I think there is something to be said of like you know that'd be like if Star Trek, Star Wars was maybe more concise. I feel like well, mm-hmm. then all Star Wars would just be about the Jedi because that was the yeah. original New Hope. And like no, you know we. We're doing to have a game called Star Wars Outlaws, which is about smugglers. Yeah. Um, so I think in some ways Star Wars, as of now, you know, like you don't see, although I do know they want to make like a Star Trek Academy thing, Starfleet Academy show, which I hope yeah. they do. Or, and, uh, but it's I like, mean, the, there's the, no well, Klingon or, show, or there's no. no, what is random person doing on this planet? It's just like, because Star Wars kind of has that versatility to tell all those stories. Yeah. I will way. say st- the, the those the four shows in New Trek are all they have their distinctions. I'm sure they do. Um, like with Discovery, it's more driven by it's more it's more serialized and more driven by one big threat that they have to confront. Whereas Strange New Worlds it was a different episode, different thing each 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 show. Whereas Lord X, it's animated young people shenanigans, <laughs> but also them. I mean, that's actually close in a way closer to Star Wars. In that sense of young people figuring out how to how to navigate make their way in in, in, a, in a galaxy, yeah, I guess that's the question I brought up before. Is you know Star Trek has gone into this direction of having more a clearer consistency. Is it going to be successful because it has a clearer identity? Is Star Wars going to be successful because it has broader appeal? Is Marvel going to be able to navigate the two together? Star Wars gonna be able to navigate get the two, you know. I mean, in different ways. Maybe that's maybe that's what we're getting at. Is all, and it's why we we inevitably went to other examples of other franchises. Oh, because the deeper thing with with a a franchise story period is one that has to navigate a consistent identity with ability to tell different, new, exciting, interesting stories, interesting angles, interesting aspects of world building that are particular to that franchise, but also can be particular within the franchise, different pockets, different corners. Um, they all have, they, that's, they all struggle with, not struggle, they all have to navigate, you know, set a course, chart a course through hyperspace. What's um, interesting. With this thing, let me just finish the thought is, yeah, I mean, it's kind of summarizing what we're saying. They all have to navigate uh consistency and diversity and so yeah i mean maybe that's the thing ultimately the numbers 
might actually tell us one day. And the, the numbers obviously have there's so many different things coming into that. Uh, you know, what is going to happen with Star Wars fandom? Is it going to devolve into just these different different pockets of different camps? And I know you're, you're going to get into the fan bubble in a bit, but you know, even even you and I maybe have, you know different things we'll gravitate towards. Um, I will say one thing about High Republic, for example. Yeah, it's mainly a Jedi story, but it's not exclusively either. You know, you have uh, Afi and the vessel in them. They, I think they're going to go off and have this other angle of this adventure of the shipping guilds and what happens with that history driven by this younger character who has is taking taking matters into her own hands and she's not a jedi and she's able to have this impact um yeah but there, but that may be the exception that proves the rule that there are so many jedi in this in how well, that's why i love it because for me that's the thing i want may not be what everyone else wants and so that's the question is how much mutual conversation can, will we be able to have? How much draw will we be able to have? Will I go out and and buy all the books, or I'm going to be more selective in what books I buy? Am I going to go? Are you starting? Watch. Yeah, I mean, am I going to go watch all the shows multiple times, or am I going to be more selective at the shows I watch multiple times? And those Disney Plus are going to have those numbers. You know, I don't know. Well, I, you know, speaking of one franchise we didn't bring up, but I, I'm well, I understand why we didn't. But it's sort of like it's one that I hope becomes successful because I think it's going to be very interesting. And that is DC, DC Comics, because DC Comics is a unique franchise. Like DC films on screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I can, I, I can probably also probably the comics too because it's the same peel kind of kind of is that yeah. biggest reason it failed the first time. Because they tried to make it consistent, we tried to try to give it all to one person, Zack Snyder. Now Zack Snyder, no Scott, yeah Zack Snyder. Yeah, Snyder. Zack Snyder, not um, Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder is writing stories, also writing Undiscovered Country with Charles Soule, which is almost done. But anyway, Zack Snyder, you know, um, you know, I mean, he's not a great director in the first place. But um, sorry, he's <laughs> just not. Um, but the problem is, DC has never been a consistent. And I think when I think we have to be clear. Consistent doesn't mean quality; it just means kind of similar. Everything kind of yeah, similar, like enough commonalities. Commonalities, because yeah. like Superman and Batman, two different tones and just styles. Superman yeah. is like you, you know, da, 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 you know, happy go lucky, you know, optimism, mm-hmm. and Batman is dark and brooding. Yeah. But you know, I mean, he still wants to help people, so he's he's not bad. But you know, it's like you know, gothic and you know. And then Wonder Woman's kind of Greek mythology. Yeah. And then Green Lantern from what I hear is like space opera, kind of Star Wars even a little bit. So it's like mm-hmm. all these different things that seem so different, yet they all do exist in the same universe and you get the Justice League. Yeah. So that's that's gonna be an interesting one as well, you know, and I think that is what you know, so they are so just all over the place, but yet they are one franchise mm-hmm. and have been for almost 80, 90 years. <laughs> I mean, when you think about coming back to Star Wars, right? You have Luke, who was is the farm boy who becomes a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Leia is the senator, princess, mm-hmm. you know, statesperson. Han's the scoundrel. Yeah, you know, those three are already very different, and they all represent different streams, different angles. At their best, they are able to come together and work together, but have their own unique kinds of stories. And so, 
Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's part of what what's driving what pushes all these things into franchises. Maybe it's what pushed maybe what pushed Star Wars into a franchise period is because you're given immediately given these three characters in 1977. Not you or me, we weren't born yet, but yeah, you know, we're given the people. We're given these three characters, and you gravitated towards one of them. You want to follow their story further. Now, Luke's story was the one that got the most purchase out of it purchase pun maybe intended but uh you know ultimately especially with the eu that's the thing with the with paper you had the opportunity to go beyond and to take the time i keep saying this books give you the time and the space to explore different angles and different things and so i mean there maybe even be different themes within those three characters no wonder it expanded into a franchise. I mean, Kirk, Spock, McCoy. There's another trio, uh, you know, similar archetypes potentially. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, right? There's these these trios: Captain America, Iron Man, Thor. You know, so <coughs> I mean, they have their own movies for a reason. They, they, they got their own movies, but they they start with their own comic book runs. I mean, maybe maybe that these franchises are. I mean, that's that's maybe what I'm getting at ultimately, and I keep coming back to this. Baked into what a franchise is, is uh, it, centrifugal and centripetal, right? Is it, is this this tension between those two movements? By that, you just use some pretty big words. Sorry, guys. Um, the, the movement out to diversify and the need to rein in and unify, especially, I mean, that's the thing, why... Why Avengers was so exciting when they came together is okay. Here are all the different things we've liked in different ways. Now they're coming together and working together. Um, you know why Filoni's film is probably going to be so exciting? Where well, they're probably moving towards this, right? Right. We all have different aspects of these shows. Why these moments in High Republic? Like all these, they come together. You know why? You know the dedication of Starlight is so exciting. Why? the fall of starlight is so devastating, you know, um, why the battle of Jeddah is so interesting is because we see it from all these different angles. Uh, you can, maybe the battle of Dalna might be more difficult depending. Some people love that. Some people love the way the battle of Dalna is looked at in different angles from these different characters you connect with, but then you get a complete picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's again, it's a question of, and the, and it's different tones, and it gets back to what you're saying. These different tones, you know. I mean, that's the thing. Andor it's going to connect up with a new hope. You know, it's going to, mm-hmm. you know, what what if you know what if Leia is in Andor? You know, what if you know who knows who is in Andor? Um, Mom Mothma is in, in both these series, and yeah. she has different roles in both these series. You know, so uh, slightly different roles, but yeah, it. It, it, it's getting you know and so one of the things maybe that excites us is when they here's the thing I, i'm talking about you know and this is a very being excited is a very subjective thing we are excited by stories that relate to our particular situation we're excited by stories that connect us our situation with the wider whole mm-hmm. we are maybe disappointed by stories that don't connect us to our situation, you know, not my Luke or who knows what 
we are maybe bored by stories that are too predictable and too much the same. And so maybe it's the tricky thing of having to navigate uh, and having to navigate. Okay. When are these, the, the, the unity and diversity, is that exciting versus alienating and boring? And, I mean, and, I think that just boils down to is making these things is hard. And that's why we don't do it because we're, we, we don't know. It's not like we can make a billion dollars. Well, it boils down to um, having a good story that appeals to people. Right. Well, no, we know and, what that is. Like, I don't know what appeals to people. Yeah. But I mean, there, there are the, the best storytellers do. And so maybe that's what you're getting at is. I thankfully, mean, I, I think yeah. we should never undercut that making all these films are hard. And I don't yes. think we can ever guarantee any of these will ever be it's successful. A, it's a challenge. It is the challenge, of, and especially a franchise challenge. I mean, that's maybe what kind of what the uh, uh, Delilah Dawson and them were getting at in that panel at New York Comic Con. It's this challenge of inserting yourself into this wider galaxy and telling a unique story that is authentically Star Wars. And, uh, and, and you have yeah you have the but again i think the best star wars stories do that the best post george lucas star wars stories are able to do that you know charles soul does that claudia gray does that ryan johnson does that i mean i think delilah dawson does that true i mean but also you know i know plenty of people who don't like charles soul's work just as much as i know people who love it i know people who don't like sure and obviously you know people don't like that jedi uh you know because it, it 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 alienates them rather than connect with them true and you know i yeah. think i think in some ways it's disingenuous in other ways i you know what you never know what's gonna what's gonna yeah what's gonna hit um true. i guess I'll, i guess i move on a little bit to the to the fan bubble thing that's something i want to talk about a little yeah. bit before we before we wrap up here mm-hmm. um we're, I mean, we're kind of hitting we're coming we're getting into yeah. that yeah, kind of but, um, you know, it would have been fascinating if, like, instead of episode five, it's like, let's do a Leia spinoff and a Han spinoff early. It's like, if those would have been two different movies. Just yeah. in time. But uh, that's a whole. But, okay, so here's something that I think that we all need to always mm-hmm. be, in, be in the lookout for, and that is. Be aware of. Be aware of how much of our own. I mean, I think this is something that's just in general, how much of it is our own biases and how much are we in our fan bubble mm-hmm. and making decisions and opinions based off this fan bubble. And, you know, to me, the fan bubble is, you know, social media, our discords, our fan communities, even there. Excuse me. Even dare I say our conventions. Um, just our YouTube podcasts. Our YouTube podcasts. <laughs> our YouTube podcasts. Our Twitter accounts. Our Twitches. You yep. know, you know, I, I I have this like weird analogy where you know we compare the convention to the church. You know, it's like okay, I can get a thousand people in the church. That really means Christianity's on the rise and people are loving it. I don't know. It just or just like I got lucky and I got a thousand people in the church. Um, I can tell yeah. you, it does not. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think sometimes I kind of question. I think we as fans overestimate our own power and decisions being made when in reality that's just not true. Like I'm more willing to buy they pause Star Wars movies more because of what happened with Solo and the messy production of Rise of Skywalker than anything to do with Last Jedi, to be quite honest. I don't even believe J.J. Abrams went on Reddit and like, what do people hate about Rise of Skywalker? I will put it in the movie. 
I just think J.J. Abrams just okay, isn't a great mustard. storyteller and just doesn't execute his movies well. Yeah. I don't think he's had. I don't think he cares about what the Twitter, YouTube, Reddit thing is. He's a rich. He's a rich Hollywood producer. Why does he care? He's he's kicking it up with the with the, with the Bob Iger, the Kathleen Kennedys of the world, yeah. like in his mansion or his big house in L.A. Um, why does he care about what random YouTuber says of not my Luke? I don't think he really does. I just yeah. think he's just not that great a storyteller. So then he is that. Um, yeah. Unless he felt not my Luke himself. I don't think he's that. I don't think he's that analogous to that. I don't think he cares. I don't. I don't know either. You're right, but I mean, you know, it's like, you yeah. know, and that is that is, you know, at the same time, you know, it's like, is John Favreau and Dave Filoni not my Luke because they decide, you know, what we're going to put Luke Skywalker and have him no. kick butt? No, no, that's an amazing response to it. Right, actually, it's yeah. And, I mean, and again, go back to Din. You know, Din's initial response to that scene was actually that is still my Luke. It's just in a different time, right? And you know, but some people did criticize it, thinking you know, Last Jedi comes out, and then I did. That was later. my initial feeling. I thought it was it was repudiating that moment. And then I had to think more deeply about it. Right, right, and I. You know, I don't know what Dave Filoni thinks about the sequel trilogy per se. I I don't think he probably. I think there are things he likes and things he doesn't. I think there are always going to be yeah. things where he goes, "Well, I wouldn't have done that," sure. but um, you know, but that's that is that is his thing. And like, um, but at the same time, you know, and again, that's sort of like we have to kind of keep in mind that our yeah. Twitter bubble is not as powerful as we think it is, or even how popular or even how hated things were. Do sure. I think the prequels were as hated as they were because of the online thing? No. I still don't think they are as loved as they probably would be either. I think it's sort of mm. a weird in-the-middle area. There was Last Jedi. I actually don't think Last Jedi is that super hated. Um, and that only, like, because, like, I, mm. do you ever go out in the real world and people going, Last Jedi, you know, like, no. I, I You're more likely to find people who are the prequels, though. Probably, yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah. a, I think that's somewhat telling in a little bit of an interesting way. Yeah. Um, or you know, even mm. the popularity side, High mm. Republic, High Republic's big in the Twitter fan sphere. How big is it outside of that? Like streaming yeah. show coming up, not really marketing on the fact it's High Republic. I mean, maybe in the summer, it's marketing it to us. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, the same, but it's yeah. like the title is called. The thing, you know, it's not, yeah. there's no High Republic in that title. Um, yeah. And obviously we'll see when the marketing really ramps up, hopefully in, you know, next month, next year. Um, yeah. And, you know, this, this week, uh, me and uh, me and buddy Trey, uh, we had a little, we had friendly debate. We kind of came to the same conclusion at the end of the day. It's like hmm. something based, you said, of the reason Thrawn came back is because he's such a beloved character. And I'm like. I'm not 100% sure Thrawn came back because he was a beloved character from the books. Um, and so then I kind of moderated where it's like, maybe Thrawn would have come back because he is, to a certain extent, a beloved character. But I think that is to take away the fact that he's coming back in the way he's coming back because Dave Filoni is that unique Star Wars person of he's the fan who made it and has yeah. a lot of pull at Lucasfilm and is now making live-action cinema. He's beloved and to Dave Filoni. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Dave Filoni's like, I'm going to pick you up, Thrawn, because I just like you, and I'm going to put you in my show. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, even to the, the numbers, um, whatever those mean, if you kind of believe the general idea of what was big and what's kind of... Mm -hmm. 
I don't want to say floundering, but average, or what, what's what's actually the norm. Can The norm is Andor and Ahsoka, and the above expectations is Kenobi and Book of Boba Fett, because those things are from the movies. And then Mandalorian is like the thing yeah. that no one really expected because of Grogu. So that's kind of more the, the yeah. odd man out. But like Andor and Ahsoka are, from numbers-wise, kind of average, because that's what the norm is, because they're not uber popular legacy characters the same way kenobi or boba fett was right who had three movies well more than three movies with kenobi and more than three movies with boba to kind of like oh okay i'm gonna watch this i want to caution i mean this is how my brain goes against any kind of either or on this um we're getting it is what's what's the influence and how much at lucasfilm and at disney what's the influence of the celebration going Star Wars celebration going fan base, you know, I can put it that way. Those who would go to celebration would love to go to celebration, you know, those folks. Um, I'll use the analogy here is, uh, you know, in, in the soccer world, at least in North America, there's people who go to games, maybe watch TV. It's not the most popular sport. Maybe for people that's like, oh, yeah, live sports in town, we're not growing. Interesting thing, global thing. It's big in, big in Europe, big in the rest of the world. Um, so I'm curious. I'll check it out. There, you know, there is that general fan base that does actually, you know, it, it is more profitable now. It, you know, it was a lot less. It is more now. Um, but then there's those of us who join these supporters groups, and we, you know, we stand at one end of the end, end of the field and are for the whole 90 minutes chanting and clapping and yelling and yelling at the ref and yeah, all that and beating the drums and, um, and whatnot driving the energy in the stadium. And, you know, and, and so it's, you know, we don't pay as much for tickets. We don't, you know, we'll buy the merch. We'll be there, but you know, just, you know, yeah, we, we don't have that, but we're not the, we're the minority for sure. Um, you know, there's some people. There are two tickets in their in their seat, close up to the to the on the side, uh, are equivalents of my whole season tickets. We create the energy in the stadium. We create the energy throughout the rest of the the fans. I think I hope Lucasfilm understands that we have the ability and the potential. You know, people at work seeing this backdrop when i'm on a work call which they do they see this this is what i work from this computer and you see that they're like oh yeah he there's a star Wars out reminding them that there's a star Wars out. people who care about these things they still want to appeal to us they still want us to be invested and connected and involved um they still want to be able to rely on us for the those numbers for those those financial numbers for the viewership numbers for the energy throughout the rest of society. And so it isn't, it isn't this all or nothing. You know, they do want to write, to write stories and tell stories that do have a wider appeal that don't necessarily require you to have gone back and watched seven seasons of an animated show in order to really get what's going on. But they also know that you're gonna. If they give a show, 
for those who have gone back, who have watched seven those seven seasons and watched them starting in 2008, it's going to have this deeper love for what they're doing now that has its own impetus and has its own uh, own energy to it. I'm not speaking maybe brass financials, but there is, I mean, that's kind of my point with The Last Jedi in that it did have an impact in that it created negative energy, negative uh, negative feels throughout some, you know, the, the sense of the fandom. And so that does translate into residually. People may not even know why there's this divisiveness of it, about it that does translate into, oh, this is a divisive show. We're not necessarily going to like it as much or not. Um, is that I think, you know, the question is High Republic really that popular? That's another thing is popularity and belovedness. That's all relative. Um, and, and it's relative to how important are, is this energy in our end of the stadium here uh, as it translates into the rest of uh, you know, the, the, the rest of society. There's a reason they keep doing celebration, right? There's a reason they keep doing it. The reason they're going to Japan. Um, otherwise, why bother? Right. And so, I would, right. you know, and to I say would. my point being, um, it matters enough that they're keeping doing it um, because of the hope that that will ripple out maybe into the rest of society. Here, here's the question though, is no, most general audience doesn't care about lore, but I think they still do care about the things I was talking about before, namely fun action adventure and deeper meaningful themes and ideas. Right. We, I do want to give some, give a good chunk of our society a bit more credit that they're able to be a little bit more literate and understanding, especially if they primarily say watch historical fiction or drama or, or comedy, you know, the, the deep inter in, you know, uh, informed, interesting comedy. They are also able, Hello? Oh no, you you're you're muted. Oh no. Are you back? Hello? Yeah. There we go. Back? Yeah, I think we're back. Yeah, this connection is back. Are they still able to appreciate a Star Wars that tackles themes and ideas? Um I can you know, yeah, I think, I think so, so. Maybe. You know, so I'm just saying it's yeah, I get your point that you know the the certainly the divisiveness of it again, even including with the last Jedi, is probably it, it's outsized. It, you know, we we're, we don't need to get into all a panic or a huff. Um, I think there there is something Lucasfilm does notice the fact that uh, whenever there's been a High Republic panel at, at Celebration, it's packed the room out, and that you know that that isn't a non-zero. That is a financial gain for them. Given you know, it's a lot cheaper to make a book than a movie, so there's probably a net gain there too. For a book franchise, for book publishing, I mean, higher public novels have got to be at the top uh, in terms of the new canon, at least uh, in terms of popularity. Because here's the thing: it has a connected franchise title to it, the uh, oh, franchise yeah. within the franchise, namely higher public. And so, I mean, that's the thing. So, E.K. Johnson, she talks about how. Her independent novels are 
you know, they sell okay, but I mean, Ahsoka probably outsold everything she had written before that, right? Come on. Oh yeah, I mean, we live in an IP world. That's just the set, kind of the somewhat sad truth. And if you want yeah. to like, get into like so, big but that artistry. that is important to know. Okay, that um, the franchise and therefore the ardent fans of the franchise dr- helping to drive the wider popularity of it. I, I think it's it's both end. It's both end. I so I'll here's I'll guess I'll respond to a couple of things. So I actually do agree with you with the positivity celebration stuff, mm-hmm. but only because that's so physical. Like you have to like you can't ignore the yeah. people in celebration going to a big convention. That's like impossible. So yeah. I don't think the divisiveness is honestly that important because yeah. like I kind of wonder like how many people know that people are just constantly complaining about Last Jedi every dang day on Twitter. Like the majority of the world does not care. And we've moved on from that. And we moved on and I think And there's most- bigger in the world at large there are way bigger fish to fry. <laughs> that too. You but <laughs> e- but even like the whole Star Wars is dead, Marvel fatigue those discourses for me do not really matter because like if you have marvel like i think marvel team might exist to a certain extent because yeah this this franchise has been around for 20 years at this point Mm -hmm. you're gonna get tired eventually but i think if you have like true fatigue then what are you doing with your life buddy like you know okay i get tired but then it's like hey look a cool marvel film i'm gonna go see it i'm gonna see this next marvel film awesome And then I'm excited again. Hooray. You know, I, I mean, I think some people are like, aren't able to necessarily appreciate the differences. Yeah. You know, and I'm just, and also just, you know, like, are you spending each and every day focusing on the Marvel cinematic universe? Like, don't you got other stuff to do? Um, you know, uh, you know, I I love star Wars, but like, I try to like get a walk and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and then in terms of like the higher public stuff, I mean, yes, I, I, I agree. I just think, if you came to me and said, "Higher Public movie, billion dollars tomorrow, easy win," I'd be like, "Is it a billion dollar movie?" I, I don't know. That. I don't think. I mean, I know, I know you didn't say that, but it's like if yeah. someone would say yeah. that to me, if you or someone would say that to me, I'm like, it's like when people say "Old Republic, easy money, billion dollars." I'm like, you realize that most people don't really know what the Old Republic is. It's like when people are like. You don't have to market it. It'll just make money on its own. It's like, yeah. no, Mo, you have to market this. And I think just plastering yeah. Old Republic everywhere was going to be going. Like, are people seeing that? Are people saying that's a, that's a, it's a slam dunk there? I, don't know. I see people see that every <laughs> now and okay. then of like, make an Old Republic movie, billion dollars, easy. I think the um, Filoni movie and the Ray movie are more likely to be. I mean, that's the thing is, is the biblical epic. That's going to be the bigger swing, which is why I'm here for it. Oh, but, yeah. And I'm not even saying yeah. don't do big swings. I'm just saying mm-hmm. I also would just say uh, just in terms of like money, like mm-hmm. Force Awakens being a billion dollars was like kind of a whoa moment. Like I don't think anyone really expected. They thought like 400 really? million, 700 million dollars at best. And then it kind of really exploded. Mm-hmm. I think the the film coming up are also mm-hmm. kind of like average 400 million, 700 million dollar movies. Hopefully they keep those budgets in check so that they're not losing money. Um, yeah. That's a whole other discussion. But again, it's like, again, if you think Old Republic is or High Republic is like an easy billion dollar movie, you got to work to that. I think High Republic yeah. is working to that. 
I think the books help that. I think they give it a nice base of support. Then you kind of elevate it, and then you elevate mm-hmm. it again. Um, so that's kind of where I think fan bubbles in the extreme yeah. happened. But I do agree with you on, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think um, I don't know, kind of to get to you know, I, I kind of put, and you know, it's kind of where it's, I think the fan side thing and the book side of thing is sort of intertwined a little bit. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, books, I don't, I'm sure people, every Star Wars is someone's first Star Wars to some extent, but yeah. I do think the books and comics are made for people already deep dive. They're yes. already in it. Right. Video games are like the only kind of weird exception to this rule. Yeah. But again, it's sort of like, again, it's like when people say, just make Thrawn the villain in episode seven and everyone's going to love it. Like, again, Thrawn might be a beloved book character and, you know, but mm-hmm. is he billion dollar franchise movie? And, you know, he's, this is still a business at the end of the day. Um, yeah. No, I agree with that. And, and it's interesting. You know, we'll see. They are making, again, a series that is going to be more tied with, with books. Mm-hmm. It's still going to be the first, uh, you know, people are probably still going to be like, oh, who's this Vernestra O person? Let's oh, yeah. read her her books before by Justina Ireland, you know. Um, but that's still going to be their first interaction with High Republic, even if the phrase High Republic probably not even going to show up in it because it's set in the actual era, unless it's in a crawl or something. But I hope they I hope they don't say High Republic here. I mean, I know it's weird to say, but like that just to me is one of those weird things. Like, They'd have to use a framing device, yeah, like with Yoda and Tales of the Jedi, right? Right. But I don't think well, yeah. It'd be so weird. It makes sense to say High Republic in uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, what era are we in right now? Are we in the, the late modern era? Are we in the, I don't know, the IT era? I don't know. What era are we? Yo, <laughs> Yoda at the beginning of, of that, like, like, it's good. Another good day in the High Republic. Good day in High Republic it is. Yes. <laughs> um, no, this is no such thing as a golden age. I and mean, that's another thing. All right. All right. Um, no, this is a straight thought. You know, you can't call this a higher republic. You, there's no such thing as an actual golden age. We know things were maybe better at some aspect of it way back when. That's an interesting thing with John Jackson Miller with Living Force. Is that there are going to be characters, Jedi, Jedi Ma- Masters of the Council, who look back on the higher republic and think, oh, that was such a great time, such a golden age. That's the whole thing, filling a, filling a church with a thousand people what doesn't mean it's actually having the impact in the world it needs to have, <laughs> you know, anyway. right. I mean, yeah. And you know, star Wars, I think some of us don't kind of want to admit it. Star Wars has not been the big thing no. since honestly, after return of the Jedi. And I only say that, well, Phantom Menace was kind of the last big time, but here's the thing. Keep in mind yeah. when the original series was coming out, just star Wars was it. That was like the thing of like family for yeah. kids that action packed scenes mm-hmm. could do. Nowadays, it's like, you know, from the, from the prequels were coming out, you also had Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, yeah. the Pirates film, Matrix, Raimi Spider Man, some of those early Marvel films that were going to the prelude to the MCU. Mm-hmm. Today, we have MCU, MonsterVerse, DC films that hopefully will get better, other things, anime, cart, independent cartoons, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. And, you know, you just go to any major con, and that's the thing about cons also. First yeah. of all, they are at more in the cultural center, but that's maybe a similar question is with franchises, also cons. 
there's so many different things for everybody. Can you even say you went to the same con, right? Like you were all <laughs> spent all your time in the anime section, spent all your time with the cosplay or with the Star Wars cosplay or with the, you know, the whoever cosplay. Yeah, it's or just just mining for comics or, you know, whatever. It's it's actually. I'm not saying it's too. It's it, I think it's fantastic. I think it's wonderful. It's just that maybe we need to actually find a way of. We need to make sure we're embracing diversity and hospitality in all that as well. Right. Um, and I guess to kind of wrap this all up, because we've been going for a while, yeah. I think, you know, looking at books, comics, High Republic, the things to come, I think the yeah. key word here is gross. I mm-hmm. don't know, like, whether that means sticking to Lucas's themes or the consistency, and that's something to be interested in to look at later. But I think it's like, Okay, we 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 did we did our Lucon Leia thing. We did that. That's done. Now it's kind of time to grow. So it's like when, you know, you, they talk about the numbers for the Withered Show and Andor not being great or whatever. I think that's all kind of a discourse in itself. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's they're not legacy characters. So let's see what their season twos bring, and will there get more audience if not? You know, if, I mean, one is becoming a legacy character for sure. Because I mean, I I mean think- they're tied into the Skywalker saga. Oh, I mean, I think, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope, uh, but, you know, well, uh, more people are knowing about the Withered and the Blue Guy more and more, and hopefully <laughs> as the show, as the years go on, and, you Come know, on. Come on, I don't know, Just and, you know, <laughs> more, and people kind of know who Andor is, and I think as the kind of the show keeps going and going, people talk about that more, you know. More I mean, Andor did a great too. job that last moment of that season, having the big, the big explodey star thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Looking to the saga. And you know, with higher and with higher public, you know, that's kind of an interesting look at growth where it's like, okay, we're gonna start yeah. more on a book side of things, so maybe not the, gonna be the cultural phenomenon um mm-hmm. that sweeps the world, but definitely in the Star Wars world, it's like okay, more book fans are liking it. Then we're mm-hmm. gonna hopefully have the streaming show in next year, which is like, okay, we're gonna mm-hmm. branch out, we're gonna branch out and see if that get is get some mm-hmm. adequate numbers and kind of growth over time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if it gets bigger and bigger, then oh, let's green light a movie. And then you can kind of say, okay, it's got enough legs to like justify movie money. Um, yeah. Kind of what to do with Mandalorian, but with books, kind of going even further back. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. And then, you know, I hope that Ray's film is not just Ray, one Ray film and then we're never doing anything. Like, yeah, let's see how well it goes and then grow it. Like, keep telling more mm-hmm. Ray adventures of her students and her fun. Grow it yeah. out and then, you know, grow those audiences, grow those fans to bring in new people, mm-hmm. um, grow those new characters even. Um, so th- I think gross is the name of the game. Um, and you're going to, yeah. you're going to, you can, if you and the, I think they would be foolish, and this is kind of the the one's wrong takeaway from Solo for sure. As if just because your film doesn't hit a billion dollars doesn't mean just cut everything out and you know it's like okay you didn't hit a billion. No one expects you to hit a billion. You know you can't start with end game money. You gotta build. You know it took Marvel forever to get to end game money. You know took three seasons, three phases. So you gotta build up to that end game money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that that's just it, and that that's a fantastic point, especially because, you know, it it gets at the 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 absolute numbers, financial numbers aren't the most important thing. It's what 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 movement, what direction is it moving in, what direction is thing is something moving in, in terms of different the different pockets of Star Wars of the Star Wars franchise, you know that's that's the thing with High Republic. 
it, it gradually picked up steam and it keeps going and going and going. It'll be interesting to see if spreading the books out, I think that'll actually pick up even more steam because more people will have time to get into it and catch up. It's going to have growth, you know, um, with the streaming series, they started out big, but I think, yeah, they've just expanded and grown outward into different kinds of stories. Hopefully more people have enjoyed them more people have connected with them. Yeah. And maybe, maybe at their best, what, what the business people get is they aren't saying like you're saying, maybe you're kind of just reiterating your point, but maybe this, that's the, the answer. Maybe that's the solution at least for our hope is that the business people aren't saying, well, this is making X number of dollars. So we're only going to care about that versus this making this number of dollars. It's, you know, I mean, smart business people are saying, well, this made this much more percentage over last year. That's interesting. Let's keep an eye on that for, whereas, you know, and why, why did it make more? Oh, it's an interesting, compelling story that connects culturally with people on the ground. Okay. Let's do that. You know, um, that's again. That's the thing, High Republic. Why it's had such an impact that it has is because it's connected with people on the ground, and that does again translate into book sales, which aren't film sales. But you can notice over time, you know, January twenty twenty one to you know, um, you know, to to November December twenty twenty three January twenty twenty four, the the growth in book sales. How many New York Times bestsellers? And it, and it has something. High Republic has had more New York Times bestsellers than any other canon Star Wars book. So, uh, yeah, you know, there the, there's something that I, for whatever the, that number is worth. Hopefully, they pay pay attention to the relative market share, and yeah, to right. see okay, there's something compelling about those. I mean, I'll, I'll use books as an example just to keep our paper canon integrity in yeah. check. Let's let's you know like the, the stupid decision would be okay. Light in mm-hmm. Life only sells five hundred thousand copies. You know, like the, the young I'm making up a number. I'm making yeah. up a number. But yeah. the but the, but the but the but the exact the publishing are like didn't sell a million copies. Our public canceled. Forget it. Yeah. Nah, we, we're over. Didn't make a million the first try. We're done. We're wrapping up here. And instead of like okay, the first one made a bit five hundred thousand. The next book makes six hundred thousand. That maybe the next one, maybe yeah. it makes a little dip. Maybe you get a little dip. You know, not everything goes. Is not everything's equally growth. And then you know, get to get the final phase. Get and then it's like, oh, there we go, a million copies. Woohoo, we made it. Um, That's what I'm getting at, right? They'll notice. That. It's not going to be anywhere near the numbers of Disney Plus subscriptions or or box office sales, but it's something at all. To, I to mean. Notice. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the same logic you use for the Disney Plus stuff. Like, okay, and or let's just make up a number. We're making up numbers here. Sure. You know, like, okay, like, Kenobi made a million views because it's Kenobi. So it's like, okay, yeah, Kenobi, easy win. But and or it gets like 500,000 views or maybe yeah. 400,000. Let's let's make it even lower. You know, do you like, okay, Tony, Tony, right? you didn't make a million views. You're done. Get out of right. here. Go away, Tony. We don't want your season two. Or do you like, okay, make your season two. And or gets lots of lots of buzz because it's good and people like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, quality does help to a certain extent. Um, yes, <laughs> I mean, it does help. But yeah, I, I'm not going to say everything that makes a millions of dollars is always quality. I'm looking at you, Transformers film. But you know, um, but you know, if you're growing, so like when season two comes along, you know, maybe season two, like there's enough like goodwill for Andor that's like yeah. that's when it gets its million views. Like the first, like it goes up in yeah. 
up in viewership. Um, you'd hope. I mean, you know, streaming's all weird and wonky to, for a certain extent. But you know, it's like you want you want the gross. You want more people to be watching. And that's the same for every show, Star Trek. Like Star Trek DNG. Star Trek DNG was not the phenomenon that you that started it. It was hated. It had problems. Right. It was it was all over the place. And then season six, it, season seven, season, it's the biggest show of the nineties. I mean, yeah. I mean, even to season three and four. All right. Oh yeah. I'm I'm I'm, I'm talking. Of course. Yeah. By the time but, you got. But yeah, I see what you mean there. Yeah. So maybe again, just to, to wrap, put a bow on all this, right? It. The answer is relative, relative growth, relative weight, relative market share. People are hopefully the executives there are smarter than 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 we sometimes give them credit for, except for give the actors a good deal. Come on, you know, of you course, do. you know, give them a good well, deal and up at the say I nonsense. But with that. I think we've done it. Yeah. I think we've covered as much as we could can in two hours. There's always probably more to cover, but yeah, we did a good job. There you go. Yeah, that's interesting. We, we actually started off naming a problem. We finally got into seeing, understanding, okay, how do we understand this better? Uh, that's, that's what the deep dive is all about, the Iron Cannon deep dive. Um, yeah, so thanks, everyone, for sticking it out with us, for watching now or later. Let us know in the comments. What do you, what do you think makes a good franchise what do you makes what do you think makes a good star wars short story um does star wars does need it, what do you call it consistent not consistent consi- does it need to have coherence what coherence would that be or can it just be whatever the heck it wants uh, uh author wants and just slap a star wars label on it i'm asking this a very leading question way but if you if you can make a case to say it can just be whatever and you can actually you know tell tell the story that that kind of upends the moral fabric of it and that counts as star wars i'm sure some people want that great jedi um <laughs> sorry, i think there's even some things even i'm like no thank you no thank you but you know there are creatives in there should they be free to actually explore those kinds of things can they in a way that's authentic to whatever star wars happens to be um you know and will it sell will it sell merch will it sell books will it sell uh comic books will it sell toys Actually, we're going to sell the box office. Let us know. Uh, give us your thoughts. Open questions. Um, this franchise is going to keep going, even you know, unless there's a massive just collapse of the industry. Which you know, come on, uh, they shouldn't shouldn't let it get that far unless Bob Iger has completely failed at his job, which he won't do, as we've discovered, <laughs> as we've established. I don't think he's going to hopefully let it go that far. But uh, what well, we—that's the thing. One last point there. Because it's gone on so long, we're just when is this actually gonna end? And when is when is their breaking point? We don't know. We hope there is a breaking point for the the studios, the production companies eventually. On that note, let us know what you thought. You can uh, comment bubbles are, are down below, comment boxes are down below on Underworld YouTube, Underworld Facebook, uh, Underworld Twitch, Iron Cannon Twitch, Underworld Twitter, Iron Cannon Twitter. Let us know, uh, comments below. Uh yeah, give us a like and a follow uh, on this channel if you haven't subscribed to the Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel. Give us give us a, a sub. Uh, definitely appreciate. Definitely supports the channel. Means you can get every episode of Iron Cannon every Monday night and every episode of Tractor Beam Thursday afternoons. Right on, right here on 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 all these socials on these channels. Right here, uh, Joel. Where can they find you on the internet? 
Well, even though I'm pretty quiet from the internet, I try to stay out of my fan bubble. Um, I kid. Um, I you can always find me at JID2021 again, JID2021 on Twitter. You can follow me at the Ion Cannon Pod, Ion Cannon Pod on Twitter. Um, and of course, you can mostly find me at the Star Wars Underworld Discord server. Join us Friday night. We're gonna play some Fortnite. It's gonna be a lot of fun. See you there. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yeah, on the Discord, those events, fun events, and also just text chatting in the discord joel you're there all the time you're here's a guarantee i'm gonna i know joel i know you well enough so i'm gonna guarantee with people if you chime in and you tag joel in the discord he will answer you he'll get back to you even if you don't tag him he will answer he'll get back to you (laughs) there we go um very active very well both both joel and ben doing such a great job keeping this up keeping this going being present and, and active in that space, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Threads. I'm in the UG Level 38 again. Not really using Threads much, but it's there on Instagram, especially uh, Twitter. NEUG 485. Uh, yeah, you can uh, uh, photos of my walk in High Park in Toronto. If you want to look those up, my, follow my photos of New York Comic Con. I'm NEUG 38 on Instagram. Uh, of course, at Ion Cannon Pod E Y E O N C A N O N P O D. Of course, the uh, the flagship and the the whole network, the S at the SWU, uh, to you know the fandom fam. We're, we're we're going strong, especially in the Discord. So check us out there. Uh, next week, next week, I think I got the plugs out of the way. Yeah, uh, next week we do have an idea. We're kind of going back into in universe survey. This was very much an out of universe discussion. We're talking about <clears throat> going back in universe, uh, very much relevant to uh, the opening of the High Republic Phase Three. Key moments in the Jedi Republic relationship. That we've talked about a lot, um, just how the Jedi and the Republic relate to each other, have related to each other throughout the in universe history. How should they relate to each other is an important question. It also has real world implications that I happen to care about a lot too. So, uh, and Julia, I think you do too. So, uh, definitely join us for that discussion. Same bat time, that time, same, same, uh, catacute time. There's a good High Republic reference, deep dive. Same catacute time, same catacute channel. Uh, the catacute, of course, uh, in higher Star phase two. There we go. Uh, yeah, uh, right here at 5 30 p.m. Pacific, Mondays, 5 30 p.m. Pacific, uh, 8 30 p.m. Eastern. Until then, let's blow this thing and head home.